Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark and today I'm talking with my good friend Paul Hart. What's up, dude? Man, thank you for having me on for our trilogy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Fucking we're, trilogy, man. We're, we're doing this like a Tarantino episode. This is actually the end of the episode and we're recording the beginning. Oh, <laughs> uh, you pulled back the curtain. I'm pulling back the curtain because, you know, there's going to be a bit of a jarring bit here where it's just going to jump into us talking about, if I'm remembering correctly, Mortal Kombat is, is what we were talking about when the call started. And I was like, all right, let's just go. <laughs> yeah, we were literally like 10, like it, it, it fucking startled me. Like it was, it was jarring for me. It's just like, I'm going to record this. I'm like, wait, what? I got to, I got to try now. I got <laughs> So without further ado, let's get into the content that we started a few hours ago. Mortal Kombat talk. <laughs> dream casting. Dream. Uh, all right. Like, like I guess ultimate dream casting is Ryan Reynolds for Johnny Cage. Just but he is so damn expensive. There's no way after seeing that first movie, he's going to be like, yeah, I want to be a piece of this train wreck. <laughs> I would love the level of comedy to see... bring to it would be so much fun, though. It would be great. But dude, Anthony Starr. Oh, that'd be really good. That'd be really, Wouldn't that really be good. Fucking great, man. He would make a he really good Johnny Cage. Oh. He has to be one of the best actors out there. Like, <laughs> I love him like, as Homelander. He's so cool. Oh my god, you can like the range he put. There's some moments where you think, like, is he gonna cry? Like his eyes get like all teared up. You're like, what the fuck? Like he is so off hinged, or like he is so unhinged. Yeah, he he's fucking. Nuts, but no, like, so I don't count Mortal Kombat as my triumphant return to theaters at all because that was that was bogus. But when I went, like, <laughs> I found out because, like, I really wanted to see that first five minutes of the Jurassic Park thing. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And our IMAX theater just opened up, and I'm like, hey, I haven't, I've never seen a movie on IMAX. Yeah, neither have I. We don't have one around here. I'm jealous you got one now, dude. That's cool. You, you should be jelly. Um, <laughs> So I'm I like went totally jelly, totally like jelly, like <laughs> as if oh, I just flipped my hair. I just flipped my imaginary hair. Imaginary hair. If you can believe it or not, if you can believe it or not. But like I go in and this auditorium is fucking huge and there is not an open seat. So I'm like, OK, like this better be a good movie because I could very well die here in this theater of, of Corona. <laughs> like, like I'm totally vaxxed, but like, I don't know, man, this is packed. Like to like, not an empty seat. And my God, I will always go on record and say, it's not my favorite movie, but my favorite movie experience of all times was that really shitty movie with Mel Gibson called signs. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Like, I didn't see it in the theater. I watched it on home video. DVD. We saw that opening night and the, the crowd was on fire. Like th we were reacting to everything, laughing together. And that's how this was. Like we were all into this. We were cheering. Like, I think that's why I love it so much is the experience. I mean, it's some like the story, I mean, but you don't go. It's like the same thing with like the Kong versus Godzilla. You don't go to see that movie to be like, man, I really want to see what they're going to do with the human characters. Like, I'm well, exactly. really hoping to see some good emotional growth from Kyle Chandler in 11. <laughs> no it, one's saying that. <laughs> yeah. It, and that's kind of like when, when I rated more, the new Mortal Kombat movie, that was the way I, I looked at it. I was like, OK, I'm not really going to put much towards plot on this i'm gonna like put it towards 
was the fighting choreography good? And it was, it was really good. They did lots of cool stuff with Sub-Zero. Um, uh, the, the, the stuff at the beginning of the movie that takes place, you know, in feudal Japan where he's fighting with the, the, the rope knife or whatever that is, the rope spear, that shit was so fucking cool. Um, all the fight choreography and it was, was amazing. And so I was like, you know what? I, I Tupperware Godzilla versus Kong. And in for that same reason, it was like, I'm just basing it on the fighting in it. And so I kind of did that same thing with Mortal Kombat, but dude, being that there are those other versions of Mortal Kombat out there. When I weigh it against those, like, again, like, going back now, it's like, okay, yeah, it's definitely, like, I originally, you know, Tupperware, you know, the the new Mortal Kombat, so I gave it, like, a 5 out of 5, and in, in retrospect, I'd probably drop that down to, like, a, a 4 out of 5, because well, see, like, I can't escape the I, plot, <laughs> I, that's the part that I keep thinking about, and I'm like, I don't want to think about the plot, and it's like, you kind of have to, dude, they're, they're setting this up for, for more movies and all sorts of shit. So it's like, well, that's the problem with it, right? Is that, like I feel like this was made just for the sequel because I went in saying I'm going to grade this solely based on the matchups in the tournament. Yeah. And I mean, we did not get a tournament. <laughs> there, there, there was a tournament referenced. <laughs> Ooh, okay, it's saved. It's a fucking, it's a great, it's fuck you, Citizen Kane. Mortal Kombat just took your place. So I don't think anybody's favorite movie is really Citizen Kane. Like, I I've honestly never, don't. I I think that's just something like pretentious people say to be like, yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> I don't think anybody's favorite movie is actually Citizen Kane. Ooh, it's a sled. Fuck that. I, I had a, a really good friend in high school that was into like all sorts of different movies and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that at one point I had asked him what the deal was with Citizen Kane. And he's like, it's really fucking boring. And I'm like, all right, I'm never going to waste my time watching it. I can. I'll, I'll I'll live that through somebody else's experience. <laughs> I'm actually surprised somehow it hasn't been canceled yet. Oh, is it like all these old movies? I don't know. Like I I haven't seen it. I don't fucking Dude, know. <laughs> you want problematic? Oh my god! I did a deep dive. Ladybugs. Ladybugs. <laughs> <laughs> I did a deep dive yesterday, and I went back and I listened to Andrew Dice Clay. Like his, his oldest album that was available on Spotify. And then the same with Sam Kinison and oh my holy God. shit, <laughs> dude, that like early to mid eighties standup, like they were not fucking around with the shit that they were talking about. Like it was so jarring, but you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, I, I, I was born in 80 and, and so there's still a part of me that's like, you know, like, <laughs> Like I'll, I'll I'll still laugh at a lot of this shit, but while I'm laughing at it, I'm like, this is so fucking horrible, because it, it, it was bad. like, it was like, like part of me was like, oh, I'm listening to this old shit, like, oh, you should, you know, may, maybe like, and I've gotten so far away from doing social media stuff, like really of late anyway, but like part of me is like, oh, you should do like a social media post while you're listening to this classic comedy. Like, You'd be canceled. And it's like maybe don't even talk about it. <laughs> You'd be like, fucking canceled. Oh, dude. Sam Kinison's the one where he's got his bit about stop sending food to the people in the desert and send them luggage instead. <laughs> he's like, hey, asshole. Nothing fucking grows here. <laughs> he, we he got deserts intense, too. Like, Nobody lives in them. <laughs> I think most of the people who saw Sam Kinison were just like wondering, is this going to be the show where he just keels over and dies? Oh, my gosh. Right. Because he would just sweat, and he like he was not 
like a fit guy. No, he's like, he's a little at fat all. Guy with like a trench coat and a beret. And he was <laughs> always like so angry. Yeah. yeah. And apparently he was just coked out of his fucking gills the whole time too. Oh my god. And you know like I I I just learned some interesting trivia cuz I mean all these all these comics are kind of like, you know, born out of George Carlin who will always be to me like the fucking godfather of comedy. I did not know that like the seven words you can never say on TV. I did not know that that was done at Summerfest in Milwaukee. Oh, no shit. And I <laughs> and I did not know that he was arrested after it by Milwaukee police for that. Oh, that's funny. It's like, all right, Milwaukee, we're really doing it good, huh? No, those those <laughs> those people, you know, those outliers that that did that sort of stuff. There was like, um, you know, Lenny Bruce back in the day was one of like the first stand-ups to get arrested for, you know, using curse words and stuff like that on the stage. Those people, you know, they really took that that hit for us on the First Amendment. You know, think about all the shit that uh, like Two Live Crew went through, you know, with uh, yeah. with them going after them for, you know, filthy lyrics and shit like that. And if anything, when we, when I was a kid, it was like it just made us want to listen to Two Live Crew even more. Like it was like. Okay, who's who has, you know that that uh, that bootleg, <laughs> do live crew tape that you can listen to like, oh God, what was it like? Fuck shop was one of the ones that starts off with the that dialogue from Full Metal Jacket. See <laughs> the me so horny, like you can't <laughs> yeah, do that anymore, so you know. Horny. But it's like that was on me the so record. Horny. That's how it went. <laughs> See, like, I, man, like, at first, I'm like, I don't know what everyone's big deal about all this, like, people, like, I'm like, I must be listening to something else, because I don't hear any of these bad words, but then again, I only bought my records back in the day at Walmart, and they never sold the parental advisory. Yeah, ones. that was some so bullshit, like, too. But then I went to uh, fucking Camelot Music and I I felt like Jasmine on the fucking magic carpet, like a whole new world, man. Like, like, oh, wow, dude, they're saying fuck. And and Third Eye Blind is singing about heroin. Oh, that song is so much darker than people who just have heard Semi Charm Life on the radio. Like, they just don't even know. It's like there's, there's every a whole song of theirs is about heroin. Yes. Yeah, it's <laughs> and it was funny. They were like. They were like uh, almost around the same time as like Backstreet Boys, where they just looked at it like as a wholesome fucking boy band. It's like, nah, man, I think he's talking about a hooker putting a fucking syringe of heroin in between his toes. Uh, this isn't the same as like fucking I want it that way. I mean, I guess it could be if you wanted it that way. <laughs> yeah, that fucking lie. That's like uh, when the train came in, she said she was crashing the velvet. It rips in the city. She trips on the urge to feel alive. Now I'm stuck here. Now I'm stuck here to survive this. Days you were wearing the velvet dress. You're the priest. Yeah, but it had a catchy. Those little red things, they pass the test. (laughs) Slip them up around the belly, face down on the mattress. (laughs) That fucking song is fucking dark. But it sucks because you can hear it on the radio. And it's like that whole part of the song is fucking gone. It's weird. I know, but it was so like catchy too, though. Like like, nobody listens to fucking music. Yeah, it's like that's the thing where it's like. This is this song is so happy it can't be about what it's about. Like, have you ever heard uh, uh, "Last Caress" by the Misfits? No. Oh, it's so fucking terrible. It starts out it's like I got something to say. I killed a baby today, and it doesn't matter much to me as long as it's dead. 
It's like, what? Wow. <laughs> you killed a baby that's... today? You're singing about this? And it sounds so pretty. And How you sound you? happy about it. Yeah, this is, it's this is a super bad. happy song. Well, like, e- like even on the other spectrum, like, man, um, I was watching this amazing fucking documentary on Apple TV called 1971, the year oh, that I've music changed that. everything. Oh, my fucking God. But, like. The first episode, they covered like Marvin Gaye and John Lennon and shit. And what they do is they like really like do a deep dive. Like in like Apple has all these rights to all these songs and like exclusive interviews, like archive footage and shit like that. And what they do is they like they'll put up the lyrics and then they'll put up an interview and they'll talk about like what was going on at the time to inspire these lyrics. Oh, wild. I'm sitting there thinking like, dude, I never really like I thought Marvin Gaye just sang songs for people to fuck to. <laughs> like, I had no idea he was so deep. Like, like, like his like he was very he was very aware of like he just felt he's like as a black dude, I have to go out and say it's not OK for all of us black dudes to be on the front line of Vietnam. And he's like, and that's why I sang what's going on. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? I just thought it was a catchy beat. <laughs> like, I just I thought you were talking about climate change. I don't like <laughs> But man, yeah, like it's just crazy how when you actually sit down and listen to lyrics, you're like, what the fuck? Just like um just like every dumb fucking, you know, super, super far right winger will always blast like that fucking Bruce Springsteen born on the fourth of July song. Oh, and they the think like it's well, yeah, born in the USA. I'm sorry. That's a fucking Tom Cruise movie. Um, <laughs> and, and, and they play it like this is like, you know, like, like I'm going to rip off my shirt and, and show my chest. Like I am like, dude, if you actually listen to born in the USA, it is like a fucking scathing indictment of what was going on in our country when he wrote that song. And they're mar- they're marching around like, like this is the national anthem. Like, yeah, this is hardcore fucking proud to be an American. Like, no, that's not what he's saying at all. Yeah. Well, that's like those dumb shits that were like blasting rage against the machine, not understanding what the fuck they were talking about. It's like, yeah, rage against the machine. Not a fan of authoritarianism. <laughs> what, what the hell so do you think just this was a- about? The, just to play some it of safe those, it, <laughs> some of those who burn crosses are the same that wear badges like what the fuck do you think they were talking about <laughs> i love people i love digger ignorance so that's why like if i ever like run for like office my th- like my my campaign music will probably be like kiss the girl or like under the sea or like uh, <laughs> I just can't wait to be king or something where no like it's just there's no connotations at oh all. Oh my god, dude. Did I ever tell you when when I was a kid I would go to summer camp and there was I think three years in a row where I would go to this summer camp and it'd be like a week long and the last year I went, none of my other friends went. And so I was just solo Jojo. A a week away with with like none of my my familiar friends or anything. I'm in this camp cabin with all these dudes I don't really know. And like we didn't really get along very well at all. It was like a very rough, problematic week. And they made us do all this weird atypical shit that was all like team building exercises trying to get us to like each other. And for whatever reason, there was just too many people in this cabin. There were oil and water. And so it was like really rough. 
But one of the things we had to do is we had to put on a music production as part of it. And for whatever reason, we all agreed to do Under the Sea. <laughs> that is fucking amazing, man. I think we were 12 or 13. <laughs> it's fucked up, man. Man, my senior year, we had this thing. It was a Lutheran school, so we were all fucked. We were all fucking dumb. Um, like it was called Prism, and what you would do is it was it was like a talent show, but you had to like audition, and you like really had to like. It usually just went to the people in the choir. Like they would do like barbershop quartets of like "Build Me Up Buttercup," and people would clap like a bunch of white kids singing black music. It probably ages really good today. Um. So I try it out. I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to get some of my friends and some of my like friends that are girls. And we're just going to make a mockery of this. And I actually learned how to sing. We did kiss the girl and we actually made it like really fucking cool. Like, like we made like a fun chorus and I was Sebastian and (laughs) nice. And like, so it was a three night event and we did it. And then the last night, like they said, you know, you can kind of wear something different or like make it more fun. And, Man, I got in so much trouble because I actually went up and kissed the girl on the stage. <laughs> like when I got done singing, the director's like, what the fuck? And my girlfriend in the audience is like, what the fuck? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's acting, my dear. I am an actor. It was <laughs> acting. <laughs> it was all consensual. Don't worry. Like it was all consensual. I said, yes, I may kiss you. Um <laughs> No, that sounds so bad. I'm canceled now. Fuck. <laughs> no, she was in on it, but that was just, you know, that was like Little Mermaid is a terrible movie. Like, I hate when Hazel wants to watch it, but it's got some good music. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that one in years and years and years. Because it's like, yeah, Hazel, I want you to watch this movie where it says it's okay to forget where you're from for a dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't have the happiest message. <laughs> Go and change no, everything like, about yourself for that one right man. <laughs> who's probably fucking so like he was quick to he was quick to go after Ursula. Like that you should just been like, you know though? what? Yeah, you know. You know, maybe. <laughs> like his dick wouldn't have talked him into that in seven to ten days anyway. Fucking seven to ten minutes. <laughs> Seven to day, ten days, he'd probably get really Gollum-like, right? <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's been like three years for me. I'm Gollum as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Precious rips the fishes to threads. <laughs> Fuck that all up. Pre- yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all good. You made it work. That was always the grossest thing about Gollum. Was like for some reason the thing that bothered me the most about him was him just grabbing fish out. And just eating them like that, tearing them apart. Ugh. I was like, oh, that's gross. But it's like, you know, he'd have done that same thing to Bilbo. If given the chance, he just like tore him and just eating him like a fucking orangutan does like a. You ever seen that shit in nature documentaries? What? No. Oh, it's fucking terrible, dude. Chimpanzees, they got like such incredibly strong fingers and shit. They'll just catch like a smaller monkey and just start t- tearing strips of it apart and just like casually eating it. I mean, you know, can't do what you got to do. Dude, some nature documentaries, <laughs> you learn shit you don't want to learn. No, man, I was scarred by fucking, I was scarred by fucking uh, nature when I was a kid. Like <laughs> my kids, my kids have it so fucking made today. Like we were watching this really cool thing again on Apple TV plus. It's called like animals at night in color. 
Um, and it's narrated by Tom Hiddleston. But what they did was they like, they put all these cameras all over like the Sahara <laughs> at night and only filmed them at night. But then they use this technology to make it look like it was daytime. Oh, that's wild. And it was fucking cool. And like, you'd always kind of get almost to the point where you're about to see like an animal just get fucking ripped to shreds and then it would pull back. And it's like, man, dude, I remember watching like the predator series on fucking nature on like channel 10 and they never pulled back on that shit. Like you saw animals having fight club with each other. (laughs) The kids are fucking spoiled, man. Oh God. I don't remember which one it is. It might be one of the Planet Earth series, but there's this one where it covers walruses, like up in the Arctic, and they all go onto this little island, and they're all clustering on this little rocky island to the point where they're like literally on top of each other, where sometimes like babies like get crushed in the mix and stuff like that. And while some of the like more enterprising walruses will start going uphill to try and get away from the crowds, and their eyesight out of the water is really, really poor. And so these things will just keep going until they hit the edge of a cliff and they can just tell there's water down below them, but they don't know how far. And these big blubbery dumb fucks will just like fucking waddle forward and just fall off a cliff to their death. And it shows all this footage of walruses fucking falling and tumbling down this fucking cliff face into the water. Like way too much. In my opinion, they showed way too much slow motion footage of these things just going ass over acorn tumbling down this rocky fucking cliff, like tusks breaking off along the way, all narrated by David Attenborough. What the, the fuck? Vision is, is quite bad out of the water. So it's <laughs> dead. Say. <laughs> so it plummeted to its death. I'll, I'll tell you what, man, if you can find some older David Attenborough stuff, it's really fun to watch all the new stuff. It's like, it's a good measure of fun with a really good measure of I'm going to make you feel really fucking depressed about how much global warming is fucking all this shit up. Oh my God, like, man. Oh, Fuck. Like, I know. I know it sucks. There's not much I can do about this personally, but I, I like nature docs, but fuck quit bumming me out. Quit showing me these sections of the fucking great Barrier reef that are dead. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. Attenborough, you piece of shit. Uh, they like show like before and after footage, like all vibrant. It looks like finding Nemo. And then like it shows it later and it looks like vision after he got the fucking mind gem ripped out of his head. It's just all it looks looking, like that. It's just all gray and dead. <laughs> it looks like the elephant graveyard from fucking Lion King. Yes. It's like, oh my god! Forty years ago, this was a li- this reef was bustling with life. Now it is it is dead and desolate and barren, and it is a condition that is spreading all along the reef. <laughs> Fuck! This is so depressing. But look at the happy clownfish 20 miles north. <laughs> his his father went on a daring rescue and reunited his family. <laughs> like, uh, David, you, you're talking about Pixar films again. Right, right, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Charming fish, though, charming fish. <laughs> courageous. <laughs> Quite a courageous little swimmer. <laughs> you know, I'm glad he listened to that advice of just keep swimming. <laughs> Ooh, we always go off the rails, don't we? That was fun. <laughs> 
always go after it. And it's really funny. You bring up David Attenborough. I've been watching a show called Trying, which is just a beautiful show. And there was a big funny joke when um, he's like, you can't get involved. It's just like when David Attenborough is doing like a documentary, he does not get in to help. <laughs> and she's like, even if there's like a dying elephant, he's like, yeah, especially that. And she's like, what if it's a dead baby, like a dying baby elephant? He's like, oh, of course he wouldn't. Like that's that's his money right there is filming a dead baby elephant. <laughs> and she's like, I'm never watching him again. <laughs> They gave him a knighthood for that shit. He is Sir David Attenborough now. Yeah, but didn't they give one of the Kardashians like a knighthood? Hmm. <clears throat> like one of the idiots that married one of them? I don't know. I, I Don't you have to be like a British citizen to like receive like a real knighthood? Isn't Liam Neeson a sir? Isn't I he born in Ireland? <laughs> that shit was probably know. taken away a couple years ago after that bullshit he said. <laughs> oh yeah that was a troubling statement that was insane and he said it like he said it like he knew it was bad but he didn't give a shit yeah like like, like i'm gonna i'm gonna go on this show i, 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 I know what i'm gonna talk about <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna go with that story bro that's yes i mean if you're a cer- you seen- if you're a certain age you probably can't help but have a lot of fucking Stories that you probably shouldn't relate that shit. You should probably, in fact, you know, think about doing some sort of outreach to make up for that. <laughs> but, but she exactly. Goes, go share it. Like, I'm going to tell the whole world this story. Like, whoa, dude. And you got a movie coming out. That was like the week before. I, I'll uh, yeah, never, yeah. I will never the, forget. It was, it was on the media tour for it. It was that fucking snowplow movie. Yeah, I can't because remember what we... it's called. I was supposed to review that on PCL and Brian texted me. He's like, we are not doing this. He's like, we're not touching anything Liam Neeson right now. And I'm like, why? He's like, look it up. And I'm like, oh, that is a good call. (laughs) Look it up. (laughs) Like that is a fantastic call. That's wild. Oh, his. His new movie, The Ice Road, was so bad, it was fucking awesome. <laughs> it looks so stupid. <laughs> I, just I the love that dumb shit. It. But part of me was like, I was like, didn't they already do this movie? I guess not. Yeah, I did. that's what I thought, too. I'm like, God, he really likes the cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably because his heart is as cold as ice. I never saw that movie he did, The, the Grey, where he fights the wolves. I, I've heard that it doesn't go well. That was the biggest, like, okay, again, like, you got, like, if if I would have went in knowing what it was going to be, like, if I would have known it was going to be, like, just, like, this uh, big, like, commentary on grief and, and facing our own fears, I'd be like, oh, okay. But when you bill it as Liam Neeson versus a pack of wolves and the poster is, like, him with, like, broken glass in his knuckles, yeah. you're like, fuck yeah, dude, I want to see this shit. And when there's not even a wolf fight, there's not even a, like at the vi- like at the very end, at the very end of the movie, they show him gearing up and walking up towards like that head wolf, and then it cuts to credits. Oh, oh, weak. I'll tell you. And what then the end. Fucking- oh, sorry. Go ahead. And, and then there's a and then there's an after credit scene. <laughs> it's just the the fucking wolves. One of them like yakking on a bone. <laughs> no, like. Could, because there's only one wolf left. The one like the wolf is down and Liam Neeson's arm is like laying on top of it. And then it just cuts. You're like, what the fuck is this? Ugh. 
Yeah. It's like, did they both die? Are they friends? Are they like, what's going now? on? <laughs> Are they fucking? They is, fuck? <laughs> is Liam Neeson the little time. spoon? He's the little spoon. He's going to be taking that red rocket. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Geared up for dog dick. Here we go. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, hey, man, it's a wolf dick. Respect. Yeah, come on. Ow! <laughs> no, I was going to say, I'll, I'll tell you what movie's fucking great for, you know, plane wreck in the woods, man versus nature, is the movie The Edge with with Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin. Have you ever seen that? And they take on the fucking bear, right? Yes. Yeah, that bear Fuck, starts stalking yeah. them. That movie's fucking awesome. And yes. those two hate each other in the movie, right? Like, Yes. Yeah. They're yeah. like rivals or something? Well, um... Okay, so spoiler alerts for The Edge. This is a really old movie. Um, it's only 97. Yeah, it's pretty fucking old, but it's a fucking great movie. Um, Anthony Hopkins plays this really wealthy dude who's got a super hot wife who's a model, and they're going somewhere up in either the Alaskan or Canadian wilderness uh, to to try and do the, like this photo shoot thing. Alec Baldwin is this famous photographer that is uh, shooting... Um, who is it? Is it... Um, uh, wasn't it the same one who played uh, Mystique in the original X-Men movies? It was Rebecca de Mornay. Yeah, I'm looking this up. Was it Rebecca de Mornay? Uh, Rebecca. Uh, Re- Rebecca O'Connell now or something because she married Joe. But like Rebecca. <laughs> no, 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 not Rebecca de Mornay. That's Ella the fucking Be- hand that rocks the cradle. Rebecca Romaine. Yeah, I think I think that's who plays the wife in it. But, but I would have been happy with Rebecca de Mornay, too. Yeah, right? I know. No, it is time. not. It is. It is L. Mackerson. Okay. I was, yeah, I, I started to say L, but I was going to say the wrong name. <laughs> oh my God. Guess who? Oh, all right. Like IMDb, here's the top build cast. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins as Charles Morse. Alec Baldwin as Robert Green. L. Mackerson as Mickey Morse. Harold Pernu as Stefan. Bart the Bear as the Bear. And they have a profile picture for him. <laughs> I'm sending this to you right now. (laughs) He's like standing up and roaring. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, dude, that's a big fucking scary bear in that movie. Aren't all bears fucking scary? It's either a Kodiak or a brown bear. And yes, yes, all bears are scary. (laughs) And the further north you go, the scarier the bears get. Um, Man, man, I went to, oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, well, once you get up to polar bears, like, they live in the Arctic. They don't have any vegetation in their diet. So all they eat is meat and anything that moves in that snow field is something it can eat. So that's, that's how nice scary dinner. fucking polar bears are. Oh my God, man. Like I went to Alaska, God in 2007 and we did this rainforest excursion when we docked somewhere like in a rainforest, which is fucking beautiful. And like all of our tour guides are carrying like fucking shotguns. I don't know why he said it like that. Shotguns. <laughs> they're shotguns. <laughs> they're like shotguns. <laughs> but, um, and we get to this giant fucking tree. This thing was massive and there's like a big hole in the trunk. And they're like, yeah, do you guys like, who wants to take a picture by, um, what used to be an active bear den. And I grab my like fiance. I'm like us. 
And then like, I just casually ask him like, so like how long ago was this inactive? He's like the, the last known bear to seen come in here was around 11 o'clock this morning. <laughs> and I'm like, but it's two o'clock. How, how could you say this is inactive already? <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> Maybe he's coming back home. Like we're fucking Goldilocks right now. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's why they got shotguns, right? <laughs> exactly, man. It was like they said they were more scared about the moose than they were the bears because the moose will just charge the fuck out of you. Yes, like, like it, it's essentially a horse with like fucking closet doors on its head. I mean, you're fucked if yeah. the moose takes after you. Yeah, because they said you can scare a bear just by like yelling. You know, like if you really like you could make a loud noise, they go, but a moose won't fucking care. That thing will come at you. And I'm like, have you had to shoot a moose? He's like more times than I like to admit. I'm like, what the fuck? Are, why are you guys allowing these tours? <laughs> <laughs> There's certain places that like I just I wouldn't go hiking unless I had like a large caliber gun with me. With Whether it be a rifle or, you know, something larger than like. I don't know, like a 44 Magnum or something like that. You know, if it was a handgun, it'd have to be a fucking cannon. Well, I was going to say, if I'm going to do like a fucking hike like that in the area with those known animals, this is going to be like in the back of a Jeep with like a 50 caliber. That's <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> like, I'm going to be fucking Rambo. <laughs> have you ever seen a 50 caliber round? Yes. <laughs> the size of your palm or like your entire hand from like the base of your palm to the tip of your like index or the tip of your middle finger. And you, that might be the length of a 50 caliber, like a full cartridge. They're fucking scary, man. Man, I remember watching that movie Smoke and Aces. Oh, I love that movie. Um, yeah. And I made the mistake. I went for like my first Father's Day without my dad. I went to see my buddy who was an army ranger and he was stationed in Fort Benning, Georgia. And it just happened to be playing at that time. And we all went to see it. And like they were so pissed off because at the end, Alicia Keys, it's either Alicia Keys or Taraji Henson, like takes a like a 50 caliber gun in a hotel room and like is mounting it like on a stack of phone books and is just like taking people out. And they're like, that would kill her. They're like, just her shooting that gun like that, like like a regular shotgun, would fucking kill her. I'm like, well, come on. I mean, Ben Ben Affleck's likable in this. Like, how how believable do we think this movie is? Like, come on. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> kind of, you're kind of throwing everything out of the out of the window right now. I had an obsession for a little while with these uh, Barrett 50 caliber uh, semi-automatic rifles. I think they're around eight thousand dollars for the rifle. And, oh, my God, I wanted one so bad. Um, I think the the world record right now for the longest kill shot, I think, was made in Afghanistan by a Canadian sniper that did it from a distance of around two miles, I think. Jesus And it was Christ. with a 50 caliber rifle. <laughs> Don't want to fuck with that guy. No. No. Not at all. You got all Australian for that one. No. <laughs> no, not at all, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you're like on every podcast with your with your Hugh Jackman impression. <laughs> I know it's gotten out of hand. It's gotten out of hand, mate. I don't fucking know what to do with it. <laughs> I don't fucking know what to do with it. That guy, I love that fucking guy. <laughs> Hugh Jackman? Hell yeah. Yeah, he's fucking great. I've hosted the townies multiple times, you know. <laughs> oh, I fucking love singing and dancing, mate. 
He's so good at it. He is. He's fucking, the guy's fucking fantastic. <laughs> I mean, when you're talented on that many levels, like, carry on, man. Well, it's just like I really want you to die, too. Like, you're good looking, you're strong, you can sing, you can <laughs> act. Like, you're really leaving no shot for the rest of us. Like, <laughs> like you literally just walk in and everybody, guys included, get fucking wet. Like, it's just not fair, man. Guys included get wet. <laughs> well, it's just like, I don't even care anymore. Like, I was talking to a friend. And I was telling her to watch Too Hot to Handle, and she, I'm like, man, the girls on this show are fucking hot. And she's like, what about the guys? I go, you know what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> they are. Like, they found the hottest of all the people to put on this show and be like, don't fuck each other. <laughs> like, they should all be in prison for doing that to these people. <laughs> I caught a little bit of it while Lindsay was watching it. <laughs> it's terrible, but great at the same time. Like, you, just, like, you get the hottest people, you booze them up. And you say, don't touch each other. It's like so many of them, too. It's like like the level of hotness and the level of intelligence. There's such a disparity between the two. And I'm not saying everybody on the show is fucking stupid. And, and, but, you no, know, they all are pretty stupid. <laughs> they all are pretty fucking dumb. Well, because it, from the first season, there was that one gal that was then on the second season of The Circle. Chloe. Yeah, oh, and I really God. liked her on the circle. I didn't watch enough of the first season of Too Hot to Handle to like remember her from that. Because I, I more or less watched that in the same way. Where it's like, you know, if 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 my wife's watching it in bed and I'm also in bed, you know, I'm probably not watching that. I'm probably like on my phone writing or something like that. And so I'll catch bits and pieces of it. Because sometimes, you know, her programs will suck me in and I'll end up watching them. But never enough to claim that I watched the entire thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, you kind of like, they'll say something kind of insane and you'll just look up and be like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah, like, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> like, it was great because I was watching that. The first season I did is when Netflix, like, the first season came out right around pandemic, when the pandemic started. And that's when Netflix was trying to help everybody not want to, like, go crazy inside. And they made up that watch party thing where you could go on your computer and like type along with people to watch it. And Jesse Candelori and I were doing most of the season. And and then we had like Nana Pratt join us. And like a lot of the contestants, like including that Chloe were from like England and the shit they were saying, I was not getting like they were calling these people geezers. And she's like, Oh, he's a geezer. And I'm like, what does that mean? Nana? Does that mean she doesn't like him? He's like, no geezer means a hot fucking guy. I'm like, Oh, that's not what it means here. No, that means it's like, it's like an old fucking nerd. (laughs) And he's like, what? I'm like, no man. And he's like, no, that means she wants to fuck him. Like my, my, my accents are nowhere near as good as yours. Um, (laughs) at all, not a Pratt. What a fucking, what a fucking man among men. (laughs) Oh, no kidding. Right. I love that guy so much, man. I he cemented his place in my heart at C two E two. Yeah, when he was just ignoring Winkler's like heartfelt story about his dad because he realized at that moment that Eddie Murphy sang "Party" all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget him picking up a grown man and wearing him like a backpack and carrying him down a giant flight of steep ass stairs, and then I left, like, placing 20... him on a bus stop. <laughs> bench i left like 20 minutes before that oh you didn't get to see that no like it was incredible (laughs) kevin shanks and i 
Kevin Shanks and I were like talking and both of our phones like went nuts. Like Candelori's message me. She's like, oh my God, like you just missed what happened to this dude. Dude, and then Shanks Nana had getting, an like, arm over one shoulder and a leg over the other shoulder and he carried him like a backpack. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. <laughs> I've never and the seen dude he carried like Not, the dude he carried is solid. Solid. Works out. Muscular guy. <laughs> Nana just fucking carried him like it was nothing. Didn't like carried him and then like squatted down and kind of leaned over and set him on a on like a bench. Like a bus stop bench. It was and amazing. And tucked him in under his coat. It was amazing. He gave him a, it gave was like, him a kiss it was like, on the head. Yeah. And it's like you look at that and you're like, okay, like chromosomally, I know, you know, chromosomally and in, in how I identify, I know I am a man. But I don't have those kind of genes. <laughs> like like now, you, you could give me enough creatine to kill an elephant and MCU trainers. And I don't think I'd ever be as strong as that guy. <laughs> Like, like what the fuck? That's just like, wow! Uh, it was so cool. Like I, I'm still in. I think I think I'll be on my deathbed. And I'll be like, did I ever tell you about that time? I saw a man wear another man like a backpack. Thank God it wasn't Nana, because we'd just have to go to the bartender and be like, hey, here's twenty bucks. He's sleeping here tonight. Because oh, wow. that dude is just like solid mass. Like he's not like a yeah. I'm not saying like he's like husky or fat or anything like that. Dude is like he is the definition of like built like a brick shit house. Yeah, yeah. Big strong. He's I'm, like he's like on those list of people where I'd be like I would never want him mad at me. Because no, if he were to no. start swinging at me, like I I'd just have to like I'd really have to hope that I could just run further. <laughs> not not necessarily a distance of uh, like a, a faster thing. I think faster and short bursts, but I think just keep going. Yeah, but isn't <laughs> he know? also like a fullback in football? Like yes. he can run too. I, I That's think terrifying. He could probably catch me. <laughs> I think I'd have to get some fucking wheelies and really hope that I'm running downhill. You would just have to like juke and jive the <laughs> shit out of it, man. He practices football. He'd catch me. <laughs> oh fuck! He'd be doing the truffle shuffle. He'd catch your ass. <laughs> Fucking asshole, I think if Nana. we had to rate people in the leftover army, and if, if it was like a Thunderdome type thing, I think he'd probably come out on top. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, man. That's why it was so crazy when I found out that at C2E2 that there was an altercation on that Friday night where someone got in Brian's face. Oh. Like, we were all out smoking cigarettes. Someone got in Brian's face. Like a stranger? And Brian... Yeah, he just like walked up and he's like, you got a fucking pre-. And again, I don't remember a lot of this because I was super drunk. And I know Nana and Winkler were out there as well with like Albers and uh, some other people. I think Dan Ramirez and this guy. And I guess I walked up and got right in this dude's face and was telling <laughs> me better back the fuck off. And he walked away and they're telling me this. And I look, I go, why would Winkler and Nana let me do that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the guy knows how to read the room. He's like, wow, this super Irish guy just came up and got in my face while he was drunk. I probably shouldn't fight with this. <laughs> well, like like Winkler said, he said, I got scary. He's like, your face got right. He's like, it looked like you were going to throw down. And we well, and then figured you had two huge be- dudes behind you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Brian himself, he's so jacked you, as fuck. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so you set up I pretty was well. The- 
<laughs> I was the least qualified person to step up to anybody in that situation. <laughs> That's what makes it so funny. <laughs> and then I found out later I went on this whole like adventure. After that, I walked around the entire hotel looking for something with somebody with uh, Jess Candelori. <laughs> and she's telling me stories of how like I went up and took a stranger's coffee and just started drinking it and threw it away in front of them and all this <laughs> shit. I'm like, what the fuck was going on? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I had to like get you what back on fuck? track. I pulled out like <laughs> she's like, I pulled out a beer out of my backpack and I guess I got all obsessed with her having secret beers. <laughs> You got secret beers in there? How many more? And I <laughs> and like I didn't know, man, that was the worst hangover of my life that Saturday. Like I remember leaving the con at one point to go back up to the hotel room and just take a bath. Cause I'm like, you need to wake up. And then I got this group message, like, we're all gonna have a cigarette, and I forgot my vape. So I'm like, I need to like get some nicotine. I remember this gentleman had a vape, and I'm like, hey. You mind if I you mind if I get a rip and I took a giant rip and I look at this gentleman and I say, what's the nick level? Because I don't feel anything. And the, the, the kind sir looks at me and laughs and says, there is no nicotine in that. <laughs> it's like you're in Illinois. <laughs> Hangover gone, dude. Hangover fucking gone, man. Rebecca and I got like three rib sandwiches because she also took a rip off said vape. <laughs> I bet those rib sandwiches were red. <laughs> Dude, oh my God, man. It was great. And then I took another long walk with Jess and it was a fun time. And then we went and got to see people get belligerent <laughs> at the bar that night. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that, that one bouncer was way out of line. It was like, dude, if you would just calm the fuck down, like. Yeah, fuck that place. I, I don't see us ever going back there again. But that was a great fucking time. We got to meet. Yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah, I got to I got to got to see you in person for the first time. Got to uh, Rod Clairbout for the first time in person. Um, God, who else? Stephen Farsh uh, Farshid. I got to meet him for the first time in person. That was awesome, man. And then and then everything went to shit. And, and now apparently they're going to do it in December this year. Gross. Fuck that. No, no, like, so So then it's like, so which brings up the question for me, is it always going to be in December or then like, are they quickly going to turn around like in four months and be like, hey, we're doing it in March again? That's the the kind of the big question that's hanging out for me too, is that are they ever going to get back on the same schedule or they were doing it in spring? Because like, I get, I get why they're doing it in December. I mean, like I know that they probably have giant contracts with a lot of vendors and even the place. And that they I usually that that's what do it was too is that oh if we don't do something in 2021 you know we're gonna miss out on x amount of money that we've put in so at least if we have like a limited attendance con maybe we'll break even or some shit i mean i, I assumed it was some sort of business crap like that yeah like you have to fulfill this year or something because yeah, i mean exactly. what like like in what right mind even though it's a huge con would say, Hey, let's do, let's do a big, huge event in December in Chicago, which will probably, it's not going to be as bad as like January, but still, and like a couple weeks before Christmas, like, I don't think anybody in their right mind would be like, Hey, this is an opportune time to make money. Well, and also like going to a con is not cheap. 
And for a uh-uh. lot of people who are flying in, I mean, you have to figure an airfare, uh, a minimum of probably three nights in hotels in Chicago, in the area of where the convention's at. So you're looking at, what, probably $200 a night there. I mean, that turns into Shit. an expensive trip. Yeah. And to do that like two weeks before Christmas, that's and then And then you're going to want to get food. You're going to want to. Yeah. I mean, it turns into an expensive you know, trip. Yeah, great fucking trip, though. Yeah. Uh, that was <laughs> that was honestly one of the best weekends of my life like i got to meet ever like i actually got to meet like uh the only person i had meet like i had met before we went was uh rod um i stayed at his place a couple days in uh in oh shit where the fuck is he at columbus yes i drove there i should know that um <laughs> But yeah, like that's the only person I met. Like I met Jake Elliott, but I never got to see him. I only met him for like five minutes when him and Gafford came to uh, Milwaukee for uh, uh, We Kill Giants. Or no, what is it? Um, they might be Giants. They Yeah, I'm thinking of the book, I Kill Giants. Uh, <laughs> they might be Giants concert, and they stayed right around Milwaukee, so I went and said hi to them. Nice. But that was all who I met before. So did like it like it was kind of intimidating. I mean, because it was my first time, you know, like at that point, I've been on PCL maybe five times. So like I definitely had a good feel for Brian, but still meeting Brian in person. You're like, wow, this is this is really cool. And like because because we that Friday night, uh, uh, old man shooty had God, dude, he had like a drug lord suite. <laughs> Like he had this giant room that had like five, like it was like bigger than where I live. And that's where we all were that night. So like I knew like the Marables were already there. Um, Lenny was already there. Like Albers was already there. Like so many people were already there. And like I knock on the door and I come in and you got like 20 people screaming your name and cheering. (laughs) You're like, what the fuck is happening? Like, and then we got kicked out because we were way too loud. And then that's when the whole lobby thing started. Because we just got drunk as fuck in that lobby. <laughs> yeah, so I was only there for the Saturday night, so I missed out on the lobby party. But that sounded like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It was so funny because everyone's talking about like how Neil was like showing his boob to the guy that kicked us out. <laughs> and I'm like, that didn't happen. I'm like, I'm like, I must have not been there. And then Jesse sends me a picture. He's like, I got a picture of him doing it. And guess who's staying right next to Neil pointing at it and laughing? <laughs> me. <laughs> oh, I really hope my kids and parents of my students listen to this someday. <laughs> this is of, of like all the times that I've gotten fucked up, like, like booze has never been one for me that I've. Like, I've drank to excess to where I've thrown up maybe, I don't know, five or six times maybe. But, like, I, I've never gotten so drunk that I, like, blacked out. Where the next day people were telling me stories that I was in where it was like, and then what happened? Like, I've, I've, never, I've never had that happen. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, if I actually, I'm, like, I remember... Like there's some parts I don't remember, but like I remember getting back up to the room that night. But that's the only time where I'm really like, man, there's just some shit I do not remember from this. Like I've never <laughs> been that drunk in my life. Wow. Well, like, like Jess is telling me this real fun time we had, and I don't remember. I don't remember any of it. 
You know, like I almost fought a man. I don't remember it. <laughs> I had fun waking up with a black eye. What the fuck? <laughs> Do you remember? I think it's from the first season of the Chappelle show where he has the Samuel L. Jackson beer. Yes. <laughs> He's like, you might find an inward. <laughs> <laughs> That was you. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I never would say that, but no, yeah. Uh, Dave Chappelle is going to be headlining Summerfest. Oh wow, dude! That he's so funny. Yeah, man, I love his That's... stand-up. But you know, I, I I tend to gravitate towards stand-up where, like, if it's well done, like uh, Bill Burr's Paper Tiger special. Um, uh, Chappelle's newest special, that one, the, the uh, his newest one, both of those generated a fair amount of controversy on Twitter where, you know, there was a whole bunch of people on Twitter trying to cancel them for the shit that they were joking about on those. And it's like, no, I think that these things are pretty important that, you know, it's it's there's there, there's a fine line that that I don't that I think society shouldn't cross. And I, I do agree that that you need to be sensitive to people's like emotions and stuff like that. And, and especially, you know, if it's, if it's somebody talking about an experience that you don't, you know, personally walk or something like that, you know, there needs to be room for compassion and empathy and understanding. But I also firmly believe that there shouldn't be things as such as like sacred cows where it's like, Oh, it's like this person, like they, they can't be joked about. Well, well, doesn't that marginalize them in some way? That's like she, under under equal treatment, she, and then you know people say things well, oh, punching up, punching down. It's like I don't know if it's if it's if it's comedy, it's comedy, and it's like you can tell when you listen to it if it's coming from a place of I'm trying to make a joke or I'm legitimately saying something hateful. I mean, it's the difference but between you, a comedy show and like a fucking Trump rally. You know, it's like yeah, there's there's there's, there's stuff that comes through with intent. And I think sometimes when, when things like that get shared on the internet and it gets broken down to just a blurb of text, you know, oh, they said, they said this in their special. And it's like, well, it's kind of a fucking comedy show. But then, yeah, yeah. But then you got guys like Anthony Jesselneck that it's like <laughs> they literally just try to shock the shit out of you. I love his comedy. Like, oh, my God. Yes, yes. Agreed. Like, like goddamn, like. Did you ever watch the Jesselnick Offensive when that was on Comedy Central? No, but like, oh, didn't isn't that like what got him in a lot of trouble too when he had that shark party? Because people were <laughs> he did a segment on every on every episode called Sacred Cow, where it was we take something that you're not supposed to make jokes about and we make a whole lot of jokes about them, and like some of those were so uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> well, like I just was brilliant. It was so fucking funny. Like, I think he's funny, like, because I do, like, I, I mean, sometimes I'll be watching it with, like, my eyes through my fingers. Like, what the fuck? Like, yes. what the fuck did he say? Like, <laughs> like he said that one joke. He's like, you know, those stories uh, you hear about who, you hear about when kids lose their virginity to their hot babysitters. And, like, everyone pauses. He's like, I was the babysitter. You're like, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? <laughs> or what was the... What was the – I'll never forget. I'll never – it made big news because we actually had somebody that was running in the Boston Marathon from Milwaukee. It was like a big deal. But 
he went on and he said, today terrorists show that there's just some lines you can't cross. And today that was the finish line. <laughs> at, and it's like, whoa, dude. <laughs> that, it's like, man, that is fucking insane. <laughs> I know sometimes those comedians that I like, though, like I've definitely seen instances of sometimes they go way too far and it blows up in their face big time. Like, I really like Ari Shafir's comedy, but oh man, that shit that he said about Kobe, that he tweeted about Kobe Bryant, right? Like the day he died or some shit, he said some really fucked up shit on Twitter and basically got a bunch of death threats thrown his way. And it was like, yeah, dude, this is like, I know this is a shtick you do, but wow. Some things you don't need to go so hard on. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's almost like uh it's almost like the fridging from like the green lantern comic right like it's like you're just it's like you're just saying this to just get like this huge like i mean i know like uh, comedians are telling stuff to get reactions but it's almost like you're saying this just so you can get you know your finger like you just get noticed for like all the wrong reasons right now <laughs> yeah yeah that was an instance of that for sure Oh my god, man. Oh, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there's just some lines you don't cross and yeah. today was the finish line. What the <laughs> fuck? Yeah, I don't know. I I like that dark fucked up humor though. And sometimes I get envious cuz I'm like I wish I was that quick-witted. Maybe not that evil. <laughs> but like that was tweeted like minutes after the explosion happened. It's like, wow, that yeah, really that came to you. Like you're really dark for that to come to your head <laughs> right away. <laughs> like make the joke after the Mark Wahlberg movie. <laughs> that he is joke, such a that terrible joke actor. He did about Eric Clapton's kid falling out the window. Dude. He's like, you're a smart audience. You had to know so many things for that joke to work. You had to know that he had a kid who died. Or you had to know about that song. Or you had to know about his kid and what a clumsy little tyke he was. Or some shit like that. It's like, no. Stop. What a clumsy little tyke he was. It was so dark. Uh, but I'll laugh at it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I do like... I don't know. Like, I guess I'm the type of comedy I'm way more into now. And it's just because I grew up on it is like the jackass type of like reactionary stuff where you're just doing dumb shit to get people to be like, what the fuck? And I think what most encapsulates that right now is that Eric Andre uh, bad trip movie. I've watched that like <laughs> 17 times. <laughs> yeah, there's there. It's like, I can only take little bits of that kind of humor, but like, I appreciated that movie. It, like, it took me a little bit to figure out, okay, is this one of those movies? Okay. It is in, you know, and I kind of, but at first going into it, I thought it was just gonna be like a movie with like a regular plot. And then all of a sudden he's losing his, his coveralls at the, <laughs> the fucking car wash and he's naked. And I'm like, Oh Jesus, this is, um, this is going to be weird. And the fucking smoothie shop, just because I have like <laughs> parents, like that customer, she was just a no nonsense like woman. And when his hand goes in that fucking blender and her reaction where she's just backing up in horror, <laughs> but yet not looking away, I'm like, this is fucking great, man. <laughs> He's throwing up at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's just so much coming out. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I, I think when, when I get into comedy, you know, like if, if I'm watching, it's usually I'll go for like stand-up specials. And my favorites right now are Tom Segura and Bill Burr. And don't they team up like on a podcast? Um, not those. Or is that two. that Brett? Uh, I love that you said his name wrong. That's a huge joke on the show. Um, Bert Kreischer and Bert. Tom Segura do a podcast together called Two Bears One Cave. That show's fucking hilarious. Um, but now they, they've had a big joke for years that calling him like Brent Crystals or Bert Bert <laughs> Bert Chrys or Bert Chrysler. <laughs> Because <laughs> at one time, those two were like calling each other fat and like they were like fat shaming each other. And then that turned into like a, a sober October type challenge, and then like a fitness challenge thing. And, you know, so it ended up being something positive. But it was like certain fans in their community would like take it way too far and like actually like meet Burt Chrysler in person and be like, hey, you fat fucking piece of shit. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's nice to meet you too. <laughs> you know, like, oh, Jesus. But no, I, I dude, uh, Tom Segura's stand up is so fucking funny. Uh, Burt's stand up is really funny too. His, his newest special on Netflix is called uh, Hey Big Boy. And that one's really goddamn funny. Um, he's got really funny check. jokes about uh, raising his daughters too. So I mean, you should definitely check that out. Um, oh my god, raising a daughter is fucking terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of lucked out with the two boys, but that comes with its own special brand of chaos here. Gee, like I literally have like coworkers sending me like like tips on how to deal with like a first period. I'm like, okay, you know what, dude? She's like fucking eight. Stop it. Like, I don't <laughs> stop it. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to picture this right now. I just want to imagine my baby just wanting to come home and fucking watch like Moana. Okay. Stop this shit. <laughs> stop it. The other day we were in the living room and one of the boys had his hand in his, like down his pants, just like casually, like, I don't know, doing whatever sitting on the couch. <laughs> it's like my wife kind of taps me and she's like, look. And I look and I'm like, yeah, and she's like, what do I do? And I'm like, hey, what do you got going over there, bro? <laughs> Face immediately turned red. I'm like, it's cool if you want to touch it. Just don't do it in the same room as all of us. It's kind of weird, right? Silence. <laughs> Go in your room, dim the lights, fucking, you know. Oh, my God. So I, I kind of had the talk with my 13-year-old. Oh, no. <laughs> Dude. It was towards the end of a weekend evening. <laughs> so I was, you know, I wasn't exactly sober. And, and so I was in a pretty jovial mood. And so they've been going through and reading all the Harry Potter books and then kind of watching the movies, like, as they finish the book. So they haven't seen the whole story yet, but they've been living Harry Potter for, like, a year now. And, uh, <laughs> and so we were talking to them about... You know, it's like, you know, hey, you know, you're kind of getting to that age where, you know, you're, you're going to have some different hormones and stuff going through your body. And, you know, you might start, you know, looking at girls a little bit differently. And, and like, I can tell that he's super uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm talking about this. And I'm like, like, you know, like, like, like when you watch like Harry Potter movies, like, like, do you think Hermione's cute? I'm like, well, or Harry, you know, that's cool, too. You know, I mean, if, if you want to think like Harry or Ron's cute, you know, that's cool too. What, Whatever, man. But, you know, and he's just looking at me more and more uncomfortable. And I'm like, 
Or what about like Mrs. McGonagall? You're no Professor McGonagall. Like, maybe you like an older woman, you know? <laughs> oh God! And by this time now, Lindsay's like her eyes are getting big. Like, where are you going with this? <laughs> and I'm like, and she's an animagus. She can turn into a cat. That's pussy two ways. <laughs> Did you say that? I didn't quite get it out because I was laughing too hard. <laughs> <laughs> and he pretty much left the room right away. Uh, yeah, I would have. It's a that still seems a lot better than the talk I had with my dad. I was just crying, laughing back in my room for like twenty minutes afterwards. I'm like, "Pussy two ways." Oh my god! Pussy two ways. You're not lying. And Maggie Smith is a babe, though. Fuck. Oh, oh. God, no, I like my talk with. That. I'm so glad I remember to tell you about that. I'm so glad you did too. My <laughs> the talk I had with my dad was he just took me aside. He goes, he goes, you're at that age where you want to do some dumb shit. And I just kind of looking at me goes, cut your fingernails, put on a condom, and if you come home with a grand, like if you bring me a grandkid before you're 25, I'll fucking kill you. Wow. And that was my talk. That was my talk with my dad. Oh wow! <laughs> I think I had. I think I lost my virginity that night. <laughs> I don't. Like, I don't remember if I did have a talk with my dad. I, I remember there were certain girls that I dated when I was younger. That we lived in a small enough town to where if I like dated a like was like going out, you know, quote unquote, with a girl that, you know, had, like, a certain reputation around town, my mom would do everything in her power to, like, not let me see that person. <laughs> like, you're going out with who? Okay, yeah, you're grounded. For what? <laughs> like, Dad didn't like the way you are holding your fork at supper time. True what? story. I've got grounded for that before. That's awesome. Not awesome. <laughs> 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 Not awesome. <laughs> Not awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, though. I think of it now. If I fucking hold a fork like a fucking caveman, I'm like, this wrong. I'm just going to use my hands. Fuck you, Dad. <laughs> I eat mashed potatoes with my fingers. I'm like a, I'm like a two-year-old. Ooh, it's soup. Give me the straw, please. <laughs> rubbing mashed potatoes in your hair and shit. <laughs> Is this not how you eat it? <laughs> You're going to eat like Brendan Fraser from fucking Encino Man. <laughs> He's just spraying the spray butter into his mouth. <laughs> spray butter. I forgot that was a thing. <laughs> what the fuck? And it's like, if it, if it didn't, if it like you like pulled it out of the refrigerator and it worked, it's like, that wasn't butter. I don't know what the fuck you were spraying on your shit, but it like, you know, sub 40 degrees butter is not sprayable. No, dude, that's the reason why, like, that's, yeah, like, the foods, man, they're, they're changing everybody. It's like, oh, fuck that. Fuck that, making everybody look all grown up. Mm. Fuck. God damn, I, I've done a lot better with my diet recently. Yeah, like, I will, I will never forget, I was at, I was at my, uh, the school before the one I'm at now, the one where I was at for like eight years, I remember I see this person walking. I'm like, oh, is that like a sub? Like she looks, she looks good. And then it turns around. It's like a fucking sixth grader. And I'm like, oh shit. Like, thank God. Like 
like I just looked at the janitor. I go, oh, my God, I thought she was a sub. He goes, yeah, me too. He goes, it's that damn milk. He goes, yeah, that's what's doing it. it. He goes, it's that damn milk. He goes, it's going to put us all in jail. <laughs> go, fuck. <laughs> I never felt so bad in my life. <laughs> like, came home and took like a fucking 35-hour shower. <laughs> Take what one of those showers like in the crying game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Ace Ventura. <laughs> <laughs> Just eating fucking toothpaste. But I didn't do anything. Like God. that's You know what? It's it's really too bad that that movie that, that part of that movie aged the way it did. Because otherwise oh that my God. really fucking funny. I like, didn't even think about that now. It's pretty rough now though. It's like, well, who's the villain? It's that dirty fucking trans person. Oh They're the God, when they turn his Einhorn. <laughs> it's like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? Lace is out. <laughs> so many crazy ah, scenes in that movie, though. Oh, my God, man. That movie's crazy. Yeah. That you definitely is... couldn't get away with making that movie again these days. That's no, but you could get away with making Ladybugs. You could probably still make Ladybugs work. I don't know, man. Don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. You'd have to take. You'd have know. to take out. You'd have to take out all the pedophile jokes because that's oh, all that movie is. You know what? It's been a long time since I watched it, so I didn't remember. I was more just thinking like the basic plot. But you know, now that you say that, it's like I'm sure there was a lot of jokes like that in there. I mean, it was a Rodney fucking Dangerfield movie from what was it early '90s? Yeah. Oh my god. He like there's that. He's at the bar and he's telling like the bartender. He's like. Yeah, like my girlfriend's mad at me because I would make, I'd make her son dress up like a girl and we'd play together every weekend. Oh, yeah, I he's, that. he's like, get the fuck out of here! <laughs> then, like, there's that whole scene of like him helping Ronnie Dangerfield helping Jonathan Brandis stuff his bra in the yeah in, in the, the dressing room, room. Yes. and everyone thinks like the the whole joke is that he's fucking a little girl. <laughs> it's terrible. I know, but it's played for laughs in '93. <laughs> And it's Rodney Dangerfield too. He's so fucking funny. Oh yeah, now now I get happy when I see Johnny Lawrence punch him in the face and back to school. <laughs> oh my god, speaking of some of that older stuff I listened to, I listened to uh Andrew Dice Clay's double album from 1990 called The Day the Laughter Died. And he goes up onto a stage at, at Dangerfields with like no material prepared. And just does crowd work for like, I don't know, like an hour and 40 minutes or something like that. And walks a whole bunch of the audience. Like just saying shit where people are like, this is not funny. And they're getting up to leave. And he's like, hey, where you going? You going to go take a shit? <laughs> this lady's like, oh, God. This lady's like, she's got sense. She's leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. But I was like, it was, it was still, I, I listened a whole hour and 40 minutes. I thought it was fucking hilarious. And like the more that people would like get up and leave, like the funnier I thought it was. Like the people continuing to laugh in the audience, I was like, I'm with you. Like, was I, there people booing? Uh, a little bit, but it was more just he would comment when people would leave. <laughs> so he would just tell that people were just getting up and walking. This one guy, as he's walking out, he's like, you're as funny as a glass of milk. What? Sometimes I think milk is funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, only if it's got chunks in it and somebody else in front of you took a drink without realizing it. Then it becomes Or if it's got that 
Or if it's got that charming rabbit for Nestle Quick on it. I think that guy's pretty humorous. I love that fucking powdered milk, that powdered chocolate mix oh for my chocolate God. milk growing up. We always had that in the cupboard. And I always preferred it over the syrup. Like the chocolate syrup, yeah. it just tastes different. Yeah, I, I, I have the powdered Nestle in my, in my cupboard right now. I'll bust it out for my kids. But every once in a while when I stop at a gas station before work, Sometimes I'll go back and grab one of those chocolate milks, you know, oh, the Nestle pre-made one. Milk. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah, it's a good. great way to start the day. It's so good. Oh, yeah. You probably got some really primo milk up there in Wisconsin, too. Fuck yeah, we do, along with the cheese. The, the cheese, cheese, beer, and milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember guys... And racism. <laughs> and racism, <laughs> but I mean... I, I, I don't know if any one state has got a corner on that anymore. That seems to be just pretty widespread well milwaukee like just, is still for like 30 years in a row we win every every year milwaukee wins for most segregated city in america gross i don't know if we really should call it winning <laughs> yeah yeah here's your prize i guess oh it's so like it's so bad but it's so it's so true yeah that that's one of those things that I, like it didn't make sense to me when I was a kid, and as I got older, like it still doesn't make sense to me. It feels, it feels like the ultimate form of laziness, which like I will generally like if you present me with options, I'll generally take the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like I'll weigh out the options, and if like there's a bunch of negative consequences to the path of least resistance, it'll dissuade me. But you know, generally I will try and go that route. But racism just feels. Like, too lazy for me. Like, you're going to hate an entire group of people just just for, for whatever whack-ass reasons you may have. Just this, uh, the, a blanket statement is just going to cover this entire group of people. And, and it's like, no, it's like, that's, that's too lazy. It's like, and the fact, if you're going to hate yeah. people, like, fucking do it. Like, get into it. Have a good reason to hate somebody. It needs to be deeply personal. You know, it can't just be like, oh, I, I, you know, like, like people like, like World War Two vets coming back and having like a real problem with like, you know, Japanese people after they thought fought in the Pacific theater or something like that. It's like that sort of shit I can kind of understand in a way. But, but the people it's like, oh, this is just the culture you were brought up in. You just, you don't know any black people there. You have no black people that you know in your life, but you don't like them. Okay. That sounds yeah. really lazy and fucking stupid. It's like dislike people for good reasons. Like, oh, I don't like Jerry. Why not? Well, because Jerry's a fucking asshole, and he he every day he fucking drives through my yard a little bit, and and now I've got this rut that's right alongside the road. Fuck Jerry, that stupid fucking cunt. Yeah, Jerry good- slept with my wife. Like, <laughs> fuck you, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry'd be buried in a shallow grave. <laughs> every time about that time I killed Jerry with a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> that's when i beat a man to death with my bare hands they don't tell you in the stories about how they piss and shit themselves when they die <laughs> you say it, you just go you just go straight to jackman for it <laughs> that was that was the dude from um uh, his first season of game of thrones uh, oh the, yeah, the, the king, the, when he's out on the boar hunt, Robert. And he's like Robert, swapping yeah. war stories. He's like, I don't tell you about how they piss and shit themselves when they die. I don't tell you about the stink of the battlefield. 
<laughs> Isn't it great that that was like one of Heath Ledger's lackeys in A Knight's Tale? Along with Paul Bettany? Yeah, wild, right? Man, that movie is so fucking good. Night's Tale really holds up. Like, that's a, a fucking great movie. Like, I loved it because, like, the whole thing was done by, like, Queen. Yeah, I'm like, they're playing soundtrack. Queen, like, in the fucking 1700s. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> there was kind of a few movies that came out around that time where it was, like, you know, like a quote-unquote period piece type movie, but the music in it was, like, modern. I think, like, Shanghai Noon did that also. With uh, Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson? Yeah. yeah. Owen Wilson, he's putting on a fucking clinic, isn't he? Dude, Loki's been so good. And and yeah, he's been just a revelation in it. I mean, he's so fucking great. Oh my God. They said he's not going to say wow in this. <laughs> That's just sad. <laughs> but he's been saying how as he says wow, if you've noticed. <laughs> Well, like, presumably, okay, spoilers for Loki. If, you, if you're not up through episode four, you know, may, maybe skip ahead a bit. Um, okay, so presumably he's going to wake up in some other dimension or whatever like Loki did, right? What better time for him to look around and say, wow. Right, like in the fucking 90s. Yeah, and like, would he be also surrounded by variants of himself that's like ready to like, you know. You'll be dead soon if you don't come with us, I. <laughs> I would hope so. I would seriously hope so, man. Only two episodes to go, too. Wow. And for sure they're going to do multiple seasons of this one, right? I would imagine so. I mean, you know, God, that's one of the maddening things about this is that they're not telling you beforehand, oh, this is going to be a one and done, or this is going to be an ongoing series. I know. I know for a fact WandaVision is, is a one and done. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Just be- and then I was thinking that with Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's more just going into Cap Four, right? Well, yeah, I think, I think that's what sealed it for me that it wasn't going to be a series. Is that we're getting a part? Is that we're actually getting a proper movie now with with him as Captain America? Yeah. Man, Disney is we like besides shows like Too Hot to Handle. We're literally living. In one of the best ages of television right now. <laughs> like, you're excluding too hot from to handle from that. <laughs> Dude, well, next I mean, week, not... next week already, we get Black Widow finally. That's oh, that's exciting. right. I'll be back. To Are the you theater. going to a theater for that? <laughs> Probably not like opening night or anything, because for sure, like. You know, the other three members of my household are going to want to see that. And so ultimately, it'll be cheaper for me to pay $30. And because, you know, if everybody else, if I were to say theater or home, everybody else is going to vote home just because it's more convenient. Well, and it's like, like, I know Hazel wants to see it and Emmett's starting to get into it. It's like, I'm definitely just going to do the $30 at home. Yeah. Because I would be spending almost double that going to a theater now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is not cheap for me to take my whole family to the theater. And, and, I, it's, and it's rare to go and be like, okay, we're just going to get movie tickets and go watch this. Because when I go and see a movie by myself, like that's it. I, I breeze right past concessions. I ain't, I don't, yes. I, I can get through two hours without popcorn. And if I drink soda, it's just going to make me have to take a piss. I'm going to miss part of the movie I paid for. Yeah. That's what I did last week with fast 
yeah. Fast nine. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to eat anything. I'm not going to drink anything. Cause I had to get home and I had to record PCL. Like I literally got home like 10 minutes before. <laughs> nice. I mean, I did stop at the, cause, cause our theater is inside of a mall. So I'm like, oh, I have to go get this fucking bourbon chicken, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how today went. Like, like, I don't know, like a half hour before, you know, we started recording. I was like leaving the movie theater from seeing fast nine. Yeah. Yeah. You text me like I'm leaving right now. I'm like, all right, I'll get the Skype ready. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was kind of a trip going back to the theater and I, I had some, some eye roll, you know, moments because I was like during the trailers at the beginning, there was people, you know, like in another part of the theater that were just like commenting like on what they were seeing. And I'm like, this better not fucking happen throughout the whole movie. And it didn't, there were, there was no like annoying bits uh, throughout it uh it was like maybe the auditorium was like a quarter full um and i saw it on mm. the the dlx screen at marcus theater so apparently it's like a bigger screen and there's like better sound in that auditorium or whatever do you get that dumbass marcus guy talking before the movie does he does he bother you for some reason too <laughs> i fucking i hate that guy I, every time i'm like looking at him I'm like i'm like first off what's going on with your eyes, dude? It's like, do you see those folds of fucking skin hanging halfway over your fucking eyes like that? I just imagine that he's got like a ceiling on everything. He looks everywhere. He looks, there's a little flesh colored ceiling. Cause he's got a fucking folds, like a, like a fucking St. Bernard or something going over his eyes. It's weird. And I'm not like some yeah, perfect he... physical specimen. I mean, somebody could pick me apart. Totally. <laughs> like, I mean, whatever. It is what it is. But every time I watch this guy, I'm like, God, Get on to the fucking movie. I got to watch this guy with his crazy fucking weird eye folds. Yeah, exactly. It's like, dude, shut up, man. Like, and <laughs> like, I don't know if they still have it. When I saw Mortal Kombat, he had the one where he had like the Snapchat filters going on his face. Like, oh. okay, you're not funny, dude. Yeah, I didn't Stupid. See that one, one would have made me die inside a little. I'm such a curmudgeon in some ways. It's terrible. I'm a te- like a terribly upbeat person that is like constantly like pushing away this other part of me. That's like a total curmudgeon. I'm like, just fucking settle down. And it's like, no, we hate everything. And so many things are stupid. It's like, I, I agree, but just calm down. We got to get along with people. Just shut up, man. <laughs> just shut up. Would you shut up, man? <laughs> hey, can we take like a one minute break? There's someone coming up with a delivery to my door. <laughs> no problem, dude. I <laughs> have a moment. Sorry. And we're back. And we're back. And we are back. <laughs> oh man, um, you know, uh, have you been have you been watching anything like? Okay, whatever. I'm just gonna tell you. You know, what you need to watch. What's this? um, dude? Like, cause cause you just allegedly you just got to log into Apple TV. I assume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you know me. I, I've I've been hyping the Ted Lasso dick. Mm-hmm for for uh, almost a year now there's a show that's on apple tv and i'm like it's gotten to the point now where if i don't watch apple tv i feel like i'm cheating (laughs) (laughs) you have a podcast about all these shows as well what's this podcast called yeah i i I did not mean to get it into a plug (laughs) 
I'm I'm intentionally turning it into a plug. Okay. Because you know, is, I mean, Apple TV is one of those things to where you know people may have it, they might not be aware of of all the programming that's on it, and you've got a show that highlights this. Yeah, it is called Apple to Oranges, which is um, it's all about Apple. And it all started with this other because I like to do different podcasts, or I did. I like to just jump around and be like, ooh, you know, that's a car. I'm going to chase it. <laughs> um, in fact, it was I, I, I got told in my stories today, this is kind of the origins a year ago. The origins of Apple to Origins or Oranges was, uh, God, Origins and Oranges are weird to say in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah. um, was conceived because it was it was like still in the thick of quarantine where we're staying home and we're trying to have fun where I had David Isaac on movies from the heart and he wanted to talk about blues brothers. And, um, man, like I was talking to Candelori all the time and we're, I'm like, I've never seen this movie. And she's like, Oh my God, I would love to like actually be able to watch it with you to like, see how you react to it. I'm like, we can do that. Because at that time, our school got us like like a premium, platinum, whatever the fuck you want to call it, Zoom account. So I'm like, I bet oh, if I got this movie on iTunes, I could call you on Zoom and I could share my screen. And we can watch this together. And that's what we did. And then we, and we watched it. We had David on and Jesse stayed on. And we had this great conversation about it. And then Jess and I were talking. We're like, God that was a really fun thing to do. Like what if we did a podcast where you and I watched a movie together? Like we muted the movie and we talked about it as the movie was going on. Kind of like a, kind of like a riff tracks or like a mystery theater, whatever, you know? Yeah. So we started this podcast called like the Cine dudes and we did a couple episodes. We did, we did the whole Pauly Shore connected universe because, because there is a Pauly Shore connected universe, believe it or not. <laughs> Cause all those, all those nineties Pauly Shore movies are all kind of connected together. No, three are linked and it's kind of meta. Three are actually linked together because so the first movie in the Pauly Shore cinematic universe, the PSCU <laughs> is uh, Encino man with uh, Brendan Fraser who plays a lovable fucking um, caveman and, and uh, um, Sean Astin's a piece of shit in that movie. But then the next movie in the PSCU is uh, son-in-law. And it is because at the beginning, like towards the beginning of the movie, there's a Halloween party and Pauly Shore is dressed like he's got, he's dressed like the lady, like he's dressed like the Chiquita lady. Um, he's got like a basket on his head full of fruit. And for some reason he has a plastic frog in his head. That's like right. in the basket. And Fraser's character walks by and grabs the frog and takes a bite out of it. Right. Yes. And then Pauly Shore kind of looks, he goes, is that no, nah. And then that's it. And then the third movie is uh, in the army now where him and Andy Dick are eating and there just happens to be a plastic frog somehow. And this uh, army dude comes up and his name on the thing says link and it's Brennan Frazier. Huh. And he picks it up 
and he takes a bite out of the fa- out of the frog, and Paulie Shore goes, "Now that he goes, now that is him." <laughs> so we did that. We did Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and then we did um, Speed. Oh man, Buffy Vampire Slayer is fucking great, and Speed is a great fucking movie. Speed oh, yeah. is amazing. Which was cool because because we did that on Cinedudes. We had this great conversation. Then I had a a former friend. It was her dad's birthday. This is like in January, and she's like, "I rented out a theater for him, and we're gonna like I like you know we were really close at the time." She's like, "I want you to come," and she rented the theater for like a hundred dollars for three and a half hours, and. They literally had an Apple TV set up and all you had to do was log into it and pick whatever you wanted and you could watch on the big screen. And he's like, I want like a really good action movie. I'm like, dude, have you seen speed? And he's like, no. So like we watched speed on the, like in the movie theater. I never saw it in the movie theater when I was a kid. So, so we got to watch it like on the big screen with the sound and everything. And then like, it just got to the point where Jess and I were like, you know, this is kind of just for the leftover army. We're getting like so many listeners, which is great. And then I got, I don't know. I somehow got her on to Apple TV and the show called mythic quest. And she's like, I would love to talk about this. I'm like, well, why don't we do, because the second season's coming out. Why don't you come on to movies from the heart? And we do like a special episode because I did that a couple times. I did like a Ted Lasso one with Brian and I did a, I did one with June for a Brooklyn Nine-Nine and one with Rebecca for um, some show on Netflix, which was great. But um, And then like I was like, hey, I think June watches this show. She should come on. So we did the whole first season recap on movies from the heart. And we're like, God, this like – the three of us really are doing like, like we really got along well. Like the chemistry was fun. Like it was just a fun time. And then we, we started doing it week by week. And then I just said, what if we like, what if we kind of do this, but what if we cover every Apple show when we make our own feed? And I'm like, but it would have to be like a weekly thing. Cause now Apple TV is really starting. Like they're really starting to come out with stuff. And most of it has been fantastic. So like, let's, let's do that. And all three agreed. And we record every Wednesday night, but I feel like this, this whole concept of Jess and I doing this watch along evolved into this apples to oranges thing where now it was just about mythic quest, but now like every week we kind of talk about like the news of Apple TV, like what shows are being renewed, what shows are being announced, like what trailers are being dropped. We kind of do like our quick hits of like if June or Jess have watched something on Apple TV from the past that they're enjoying. And then we have like our main event where we take like the, the, like the brand new shows that are airing and we review those so so we usually have like three shows in our main event and it started with Mythic Quest and then we did that. We're doing that Stephen King Lisey story and we're doing that new Rose Byrne physical and of course Ted Lasso season two is coming out in a couple weeks. So that's going to be our big one. But it's been it's just been fucking fun as hell. Uh, June and Jess, I couldn't ask for better co-hosts. Nice. That's awesome, dude. I, I watched the first episode of physical. <clears throat> I thought that was pretty good. Dude, like, 
Did you see any of the trailers before physical, like before you actually watched the show? Nope. It is the show. The, the, the trailer made it seem like it was going to be about this woman who was obsessed with aerobics. That was an actual like accredited aerobic instructor start like her own little empire. Like that's literally what the previews made you believe. And then you get this show where she just has like the most vicious inner monologue. Oh, yeah. With just like such a heartbreaking addiction. Mm-hmm. And it's like we were all kind of floored. We're like, this is a show where we kind of don't like anybody. Like there's really no likable characters. No, that's the way I felt on that first episode. I was like, everybody's acting their asses off. You know, acting wise, this is really good. Um, you know, the fact that it's a period piece taking place in the mid eighties, it all looks good. Um, but character wise, like, I don't like any of these people, the main character. No. It's like the fact that you hear her mon- in her monologue it's like on the one hand, you're like, oh, you are so terrible. The things that you say about other people. But then she says the same things, if not worse, like to herself, herself. about herself. So it's like, oh, you poor thing. Because you do not love yourself. And it really, really shows. I mean, in in, in that part of the, the, the show, like I really related to it because, you know, most of the time my, my minute, my inner monologue the way that i talk to myself like about myself like very similar to what she was saying like i need to do way better at like being nicer to myself when i talk to myself and i think that's probably the first step is is realizing that when when i say things like oh you dumb motherfucker and it's like no it's just be nicer to yourself joe you know would you call somebody else a dumb motherfucker because you know they left the screwdriver over on the workbench and now you gotta walk back across the garage and get it it's like, no, you it's just so, say, hey, go grab that screwdriver, bud. Like, It's so easy to be like, it's so easy to be mean to yourself. I got no problem admitting this, but God, like uh, a couple months ago, I started, uh, I finally put the pride away and got rid of any stupid concepts that was drilled into me at a, at a private Lutheran school for 16 years and decided, hey, maybe I should see one of these uh, therapists or whatever. Oh, which, good for you. Which is fucking... Which is fucking great now. Like, I mean, some of the like there has there have been really great things that have happened because of coronavirus. I mean, not people dying. That's not great at all. That's fucking terrible. But like the way that we've yeah, like the way we've been able to utilize technology, like for me, one of the biggest I don't know if like one of the biggest hangups for, for me was like to actually drive out in person to go and sit in a waiting room where other people could see that I needed to see a therapist. I know that's like a dumb thing to think, but I don't know. That's just, it was always growing up that like talking to somebody about your feelings was a sign of weakness and shit like that. So my new job just gives so much like your, like our insurance covers almost all of our like mental health needs, which is fucking great. And I found this place that does, you can go in person, but they also have really utilized Zoom. Oh, nice. So every week, like, so every week or every other week, I get to sit on my couch and just go on the computer and talk to this guy. And it's so funny. Like, I'm telling him, like, like I, I was like, man, dude, like, I, I'm so, like, like, I, like, I'm so hard on myself. And, like, I'm, like, I just, I feel like I hate everybody. And he goes... He goes, the thing with hating people is what they're doing. 
the things they're doing, it's not them that's bugging you. It's the shit you don't like about yourself that's bugging you. Yeah. The you, the behavior in others that annoys you, you probably exhibit that behavior, whether consciously or not. Yeah, because like we were talking about my ex-wife. I'm like, I fucking hate her. He's like, you don't. He's like, people don't hate people. He's like, they hate the stuff they see in them from themselves. And I'm like, you know what? I fucking hate you right now. He's like, you just hate <laughs> that you kind of realize that but wouldn't admit it i'm like i still fucking hate you i don't care what you say you can't you can't spin it back on me but no that physical is a very interesting show just because of that because she can say these really terrible things about other people and like you said all of a sudden she's making it about like she's saying well you're just like that but she's making it even more worse about herself like it's it's such an intriguing character study of uh of Rose Burns uh, character, but I implore anybody that's listening. There is this show and I swear to God, like, you know how much I was about Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso was the show 2020 needed. Like just like this very optimistic dude going through a divorce, found the good in everything. Like we needed him, but there's this show called trying that is going to make Ted Lasso look like fucking saw. Wow. <laughs> So another feel good show, huh? But oh my god, it is so it's about and it's it's been kind of hard and I'll fucking whatever. Um it like you literally are introduced to these two characters and the whole show takes place in England and like Camden, England or whatever. And you literally find out that these this couple have been trying for like maybe a year and a half to have kids and it's just not it's just not in their cards like It's not working. She it? cannot it's not working in it. And that's funny. Like I, I have the captions on, they say in it and they spell it. I N N I T. They say it all the time. They say it all the time in that show in it, in it. And like, they don't call like, they don't say, Oh, he or she is hot. They say he or she is fit. Like fit is the way you call somebody hot in England. Like, so well, that geese is I know fit, nobody that. gives <laughs> that geezer is fit. <laughs> that geezer is fit. But no, this one's been a little bit tough because like you come in on them as they're being told they can't have kids. So now they're going to start the journey of adoption because, and it's, it's so great because these are just two characters that are flawed. They have their problems, but like you're just in it with them and they somehow make everything work. Like, the adoption process is a son of a bitch. Like it can like I like I think when people think of like adoption, all they think about is the end result that these people have been paired with this kid and everything is happy. But there is so much heartbreak that goes through with an adoption process. And um, when I was uh, like, it's like it's been it's been kind of therapeutic to see them kind of like get their hopes up on a kid to be like, Hey guys, um, that kid got placed with somebody else, you know? Um, and this is, I've, I've told, uh, I've told a few people this, but Joe, you're such a, you're such a welcoming guy. But, um, when I was student teaching, <clears throat> I was in a very, like I was in one of the poorest districts of our school and there was just this kid. He was 
he was it was in kindergarten he was just so defiant like like a, i think a lot of other teachers would say he was an asshole but i'm drawn to those types of kids like i like i love the kids that behave but the kids that really give you a fucking problem for some reason i'm like okay like i fucking love you like you're, you're my challenge you <laughs> yeah know? i was gonna say <laughs> say that's your challenge ones right <laughs> but like but like you get to know these kids and you know like shit's not good you know like shit yeah there's something like, that's causing this uh-huh you know, there's, and there's a root cause to that sort of behavior it's like you yeah, need so, an adult that's just an asshole and, and like little kids can be assholes but they're not assholes right exactly they're a product of their environment exactly and uh so so this kid was just running me through the ringer but then we like you know thank god for fucking batman like we just fell in love like i knew he liked batman we read comics and i just like this kid just found his way into my heart and then this thing happened where um uh this thing happened where his father, his mother was murdered and dad was incarcerated for it. Like, I don't want to say anything more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he didn't have a home. Like he didn't have, he didn't have anybody. Um, they tried to call aunt and stuff who lived in Texas and she just wasn't there. She didn't want any, anything to do with it. And, you know, I'm hearing all about like this kid's going to be put in foster care and blah, blah, blah. And again, I'm student teaching. This is well before like Hazel and Emmett were even a thing where like all schools have like a, a psychiatrist, a social worker and um, like other stuff like that, where I just talked to the social worker. I'm like, so what's going on with this kid? She's like, well, he'll probably be put in the system and he might be put like in a group home with all these kids. And I go, okay, is there we just moved in. We have an extra room. Like what I go, if I'm just spitballing what, and she goes, are you saying like you would be interested in taking him? I go, well, look, I go, this kid comes off like a dick. You know what I mean? I go, I've actually been able to get through with him. Like anyone that's going to take him now, they're going to have to do that whole process. Like they're going to have to start from scratch. And it's taking me like fucking, three months to even get him to smile at me, you know? So I go home, I talk to my, my wife at the time and, you know, she was like, well, how can I say no to like a kid kind of having nobody and just being with strangers? So we get the clear, we got to like apply to be foster parents, but like, we're like, we really don't want to do the foster thing. We kind of really are open to the adoption thing. Like we'll fucking take this kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he comes and he stays with us. And at first I like, like we should like, they're like, we're going to look at other adoptive parents. So like maybe if you just have them for a week, so like a week turns into like a month and then a month turns into so many months to the fact that we're like, okay, we're going to go ahead with this. Like we're going to adopt this kid. Like we're people came and checked out the house, checked our finances and everything. And, Got a court date, and then we get this news that, hey, since you're going to take a kid from a low-income thing, the state is going to actually give you some money for this. Like, you'll actually get, you know, some benefits. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. 
So like we got his name up in the room. We're getting him all this stuff. We, you know, we're getting our, our, our suits and dresses for the courthouse to take our picture. And then the day before we get a call that says we got a hold of aunt from Texas. She's coming to get him. And I haven't talked to the kids since. And this was like fucking 10 years ago. So we had them for like five and a half months. Number one, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that heartbreak because I know that had to have been heartbreaking to go through. And, and number two, man, I I just hope that aunt gave that kid a good life because I know, I know what kind of father you are and you know, that kid would have had a good life if he'd ended up with you as a dad. And well, I appreciate that, but she actually like made like, a term that he could not have contact with us until he was 18. Wow. Like it was this whole weird thing. It's like, it's like, I feel like I don't want to assume the worst, but it's like, it was like, as soon as we found out we were going to get money or like some assistance, it's like, then all of a sudden, like a week later, the ant comes. So I don't want to like talk shit, but then, but then it's so all that happened. It was like a real hard couple days. Like it was real fucking tough like that. Like, cause like he just he he became like he was our kid. He yeah. was our kid for those like he was our kid. Like you know, and it was oh man. In your hearts, it, like, he was already your kid. You were just waiting to do the official government paperwork shit. Yeah, and then so like we got the like a week later, the social worker comes and she's like, Hey, so like we know that was rough. She goes, But like would you like to be would you like to be foster? And I just cut her off and go, Absolutely not. No. That's too hard. I go like I go absolutely not. She goes, well, why? I go, I'm sorry, dude. I feel like a piece of me just fucking died. I'm not gonna do this again. Like I know there's kids out there that would benefit from a consistent home, but now like I think of it, like it's probably for the best because this kid dealt with so much loss. He would have been with us for a couple years, and then she would have like, and then we would have split. Like, what would that have done to him then? You know what I mean? Oh uh, yeah. Like, so I don't know. I don't know. Like, it was just crazy. And then, like, it helped because a couple weeks, a couple months later, we got, you know, we got pregnant and all that. So, like, it helped get over it quick. But it's like every once in a while, I'll put his name in Facebook to see if he's on. And I I still can't find him. Wow. So watch Trine because Trine <laughs> is a good heartfelt show. I've never really I've told a couple of close people. I haven't actually talked about it on air, but that's a, uh, yeah. So, so, so trying has been therapeutic in that fact. Cause they, they like, it gets to that where they're excited to get a kid where the names on the wall, you know, the painted letters from like a Michaels or like a hobby lobby or whatever. Yeah. And then you got to go in and take it down. <sighs> but it's just such a good show because these people like you, you, you get to see them at their absolute lowest and you see the love they have for each other. So like you get to like appreciate, like even though it's a show, you get to appreciate like the triumphs they have. Like it's just storytelling at its absolute best. That's awesome, dude. That, and there's two seasons of it out now, right? Yeah. The season finale came out yesterday and, uh, dude, I was a wreck. (laughs) I was a fucking for for all the good reasons, I was just a fucking mess. Like and and maybe this is from the school of Brian, but um, you know, like 
Jess and I will text. They'll be like, oh, did you watch Triangle? But like, don't tell me. We're going to save it for the show. We're going to save it for the show. Don't don't tell me anything you think about it, but did you watch it? Yeah. Yes or no. These are the only approved responses. <laughs> but don't tell me anything, but just know, like, I got you. <laughs> that is the funny part of, like, doing that sort of podcast where it's like, no, let's 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 wait and keep the, you know, I want I want to get that pure reaction during the recording on, on what you thought of it. And I think there's a certain, there's a certain realness that comes with recording like that. Cause you, cause you go into it being like, you know, especially so if it's something where say. like, you're the first one to rate it. And you're like, <laughs> I hate that shit. I fucking hate that shit. And, and, and usually being like the guest, you are always the first to go. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's like what I was talking about with mortal Kombat earlier. Like there's some of those that like come back to haunt me. <laughs> Where I'm like, dude, you Tupperware this and stuck up for it. And then three weeks later, you were like, mm, that was probably more of what I tasted. <laughs> or like, I'm like, it's a Tupperware. Then Brian and Jake, I'm like, it's a fucking toss. I'm like, oh, damn it, dude. <laughs> Sometimes that's the best, though, you know, because, you know, there, there's a certain joy in everybody being on the same team and being like, we all love this. But to have like some people love it and some people hate it. Sometimes that results in the best conversation. Oh, yeah, especially when Brian's like, are you a fucking idiot? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't mean it. Like, he appreciates everyone's opinions. That's why he does that shit. Just go and tell him you oh. loved Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. Even if it's not true, just say it to watch the reaction. <laughs> I don't know if I can tell that believably. <laughs> Oh, boy, fucking I, I need to go through and rewatch all four of those again sometime. Because I was, I, I was literally only seen Crystal Skull once, and I'm like, I still don't I, know if I, I, I don't know if I could bring myself to toss an indie movie. I was out when Shia LaBeouf like <laughs> was 20 miles behind like the caravan, and him and the monkeys come swinging up on the vines and catch up. That yeah, was that so was fucking stupid. <laughs> Like, I can buy the fridge, okay? Like, Punky Brewster sold me that that fridge can oh, do anything. Oh, especially a fridge from the 50s. Are you fucking kidding me? Do you remember that episode of Punky Brewster where her friend, like, hid in one of those fridges for no, hide and but, seek? But I, I don't remember that episode of Punky Brewster, but I remember PSAs about that. And I remember my parents warning me about it, too. And uh, we had an older refrigerator like that out at our cabin to where it, like, when it closed, it latched. And if you were in there and yeah. it closed, you were fucking stuck until somebody opened it. You were not getting out. Dude, sh- they had to do CPR. She almost died. Oh, <laughs> like, it was no. traumatic. It was almost as traumatic as Jesse Sperano taking no-dose. <laughs> yeah, no, that shit's scary. Well, that was like that fucking video I shared in the Heroes of Noise community <laughs> yesterday. That guy died. <laughs> and you're that like, guy that guy died. died. And I'm like, now I feel really bad that I'm still laughing at this video. <laughs> Because cause I'm like, For people dude, not like, to know, it was like a circus performer. He's got this big, giant fucking, like, python. And he, like, walks out, like, showing it off to everybody. And then immediately wraps it twice around his neck. And then the thing constricts. He falls down, goes unconscious. Then people just keep staring at him for a while. And then handlers come up and very roughly take the snake off him. And then dude. proceed to one guy's carrying him by his feet. And they're literally just, like, tossing this guy aside by his head. And it's like, what are you doing with this poor unconscious man? And then when they carry him away, they're carrying him by the feet and the head. They're carrying the guy yeah. by his fucking head. 
Yeah. And, and like, no. so like, I'm just laughing at how, and like I said, I have a dark sense of humor and I'll go down lanes also where I'll go down these like horrible or hilarious lanes. And I laugh at videos like really hard that I shouldn't laugh at. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's something about it. Like I don't get any joy out of seeing people get hurt, but sometimes the people that the noises they make afterwards, <laughs> I'm going to send you this one a little later. It's this kid tearing ass down this hill on a bike and he runs right into a fucking gate and it must knock oh the wind God. out of him. Cause he's silent for a little bit. And then he's like, <laughs> dude, getting the wind knocked out of you is scary as fuck. Dude. I remember Cause you can't make a noise. It was in winter and I was running outside. I was running a little late for work. No, it was spring because I wasn't wearing a coat and you know, you know, like those Midwest mornings, where it's like, I'm going to go out and get in the car and I'm going to shiver the whole way to work. But I know that come 10 o'clock or noon or so, it's going to be hotter than fuck out here. And I'm yes. going to be running the oh, air yeah. conditioning on the drive home, right? So it was a morning like that. And so I go running out to my gir- to my car because I'm like, okay, I'm going to be late for work. And so I got my lunchbox in one hand. I go sprinting down the sidewalk and there was just a little bit of ice on it. And dude, I did like a Joe Pesci Home Alone type fall. Where like, oh, like legs went way up in the air and I landed flat on my back and it knocked the wind out of me. And I remember just rolling around on the sidewalk and then in the crunchy grass and just like barely getting out the words motherfucker like over and over again. It was so bad. Yeah, man, I was at, I was like at a recess and fuck dude, like recesses at this new school. It's like, Every school I was at was a kindergarten to fifth grade. Mm -hmm. This new school is a K four to eighth grade and everyone's outside for recess at the same time. Oh no. So a bunch of eighth graders. So you get the wind knocked out of you. Dude. So like, (laughs) like there's this thing that we call the tot lot, which is literally just like the, like it's got like the little playground equipment where all of our kids are on and they can't go on the blacktop and it's just huge. Like it's huge. It's like the size of a city block for these kids and they're playing football and I'm sitting there and I'm talking to a teacher. Like we're just bullshitting and all of a sudden, dude, this football, I don't even see it just comes flying. Just hits me square, like in the solar plexus, like right at the oh, tip of my stomach. No. And it like that thing was coming fucking hard. Like it was like a hard leather fucking football and it just nailed me in the stomach. And the teacher next to me just looks at me. He's like, are you okay? And my face, I guess is like pure white (laughs) and I'm trying to talk to him and I just can't even get the words out. Like I'm like, what the fuck? And knowing that there's all these kids out, I just like have the most composure I can to just walk into like the school. (laughs) And I am just while you were doing it. Dude, like, like there was a there was a teacher coming out, and she's like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" And she like runs and gets the fucking nurse. <laughs> and I'm just like, as soon as the nurse like comes running into my room, I finally catch it back. I'm like, "Oh, good fucking god! <laughs> like, what the fuck was that?" Mr. Hart got hit by a ball. <laughs> Can you examine him? <laughs> and then like I'm start like I'm starting to come to like not that I was unconscious, but like I'm getting my bearings back because I, I was like, what the fuck, man? I haven't had my wind knocked out like since I was 12. And like as I'm like coming back out of my classroom, here comes this big ass fucking eighth grader. And he's got like he looks like he's about to cry. Like he looks like he is about to cry. He's like, he's like Mr. Hart. 
I am so sorry. Like, like, please, please don't suspend me. I'm like, I don't know if I should suspend you or like get a fucking scout here yeah, no to get you into the fucking NFL. I'm like, dude, you're not going to get in trouble. Like, like did you throw that? Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. He threw that fucking thing, man. That's impressive God, for like, an eighth grade arm. <laughs> like, and it was just me. Like, like I wasn't even looking that way. So I like, I didn't even feel it coming. Like next thing I know, I just get jolted in the fucking chest. I'm like, what the fuck was like? Honestly, got my first reaction. I'm not trying to sound like a dick or anything, but I mean, like every day there's, you know, we kind of have to move the kids because there's like a shooting. I'm like, did I just get fucking shot? Like, oh, no. That's just how crit as a firework goes off. That sounds like a fucking gunshot over here. Like, <laughs> no, I literally I was like, it. it came through the mic. Yeah, I didn't even see like the football at first because like it hit me and it like, like it hit the ground and went behind me. So I didn't even fucking see the thing. I'm like, dude, like I just got hit by something fucking evil. Oh, like, no. <laughs> like I'm gonna text my kids and say, "Daddy loves you." Like, like what the <laughs> fuck, man? That was insane. I was sweaty, dude. Like my my body was like white. I was like fucking shaking. It was so crazy because, you know, like every other time I've got my wind knocked out, I've seen it coming. Yeah, for it this, to just get blindsided like that, that's rough. I'm just talking to a teacher about, like, fucking Panda Express's new fucking special menu item. And <laughs> next thing I know, like, I can't even fucking breathe. Oh, oh, you want to talk about fast food? I've been absolutely obsessing over that Burger King chicken sandwich. I have not had that as a, oh, I, I, I guess God. it's good if you're obsessing. Dude, it's like. It's so fucking good. It's like way better than the Popeyes one, in my opinion. And the thing, the the first, the reason that I got it was because I saw some ad where they were, you know, being like, "Hey, this is better than than Chick Fil A," and their money doesn't go into hate organizations. And so I'm like, "Oh fuck yeah, I'll support that. I like chicken." And so Burger King said that in the ad. Burger King had that in the ad. Uh, something. Well, I mean, you know, I'm I'm putting my own flavor and spin on it, but that's more or less to the say, gist that's... of it. I think it was a tweet. That's pretty fucking that's pretty fucking baller. I think they were saying, you know, like, oh, there's a certain portion of sales from these sandwiches, you know, are going to go to these organizations, you know, because, you know, we care. Like, I, I don't know. I have to look it up. I'm thinking it was a tweet or something like that. But they were definitely throwing shade on, on Chick-fil-A. And if it wasn't Burger King doing it, maybe it was somebody doing it on Burger King's behalf. But the way that some of these, like, companies' social media are these days, like, they're, they're you know, they're pretty sarcastic. Oh my god! Well, Wendy's has the best Twitter because people <laughs> yeah. people will be like, "Hey, like I just threw your burger in the trash." Like, "Oh, you visited McDonald's?" You're like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they're experts at like talking shit and like doing it in a way that it's you know it's it's not unprofessional. It's certain probably it's probably not professional, but it's not unprofessional. You know, it doesn't like they're you know saying horrible things, but it is pretty fucking funny and entertaining. Or just like KFC, they only follow 11 people. They follow all of the Spice Girls <laughs> and five dudes named Herb. <laughs> because of 11 herbs and spices. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's like, I wish I was that witty to even think like funny. that. I know. Like, I always think that when I'm around somebody who's good with pun jokes. Like, I'm just not. I'm not. Oh, like Kevin Shanks. <laughs> He's like dad joke king. Yeah, I'm trying to get better at him. Well, I mean, like, like, 
I always thought if you just became a dad, they would you just wake up one morning and be like, hey, <laughs> I got it. I got the power. I got the touch. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get the jokes along with it, but apparently I got the like the the weird things that only I complain about. And then I think back and I'm like, my dad bitched about this same stuff. I'm like, is that why I'm bitching about this stuff? Is it just like, you know, like some like, you know, some carousel that's just going around in my head and now it's your time. It's your time to be like, there's four people in this house and there's eight dirty cups on the sink. Dude. Why are there so many dirty cups here? I swear to God, like, even when my kids are toddlers, I'm like, I'm never going to be the dude that's like, turn off that light. Oh. And now I'm like, what the fuck is that on for? Dude, now that I, now that I work from home, I swear every time I leave my my you know my office, to, you know have to go you know go out and get a, like a coffee or get like a water or rock star out of the fridge or something like that, I have to shut off both the boys' bedroom lights every time, like without fail. Oh my god, dude! I get so and, and pissed. Then and then I'm like, dude, the, you're doing the dad thing. You're bitching about how many cups are by the sink. You're bitching about all the lights being on. If, God forbid, one of the kids stands and holds the refrigerator do- door open for more than three and a half seconds. It's going to be like, hey, think of what you want what and then doing? open the door. Don't just stand oh, there and, and think. It's like, I know That's you're, why I don't have I know anything you're thirsty. Come up with a plan. Open the door. Grab your shit. Close the door. Thank you. That's why I don't keep anything in my fridge. <laughs> God, there's so much dad shit that I fucking do now. It's it's sad. I feel oh. like Joe Exotic when it's like, this is financially going to ruin me. <laughs> I'm like, never going to financially recover light. from this. <laughs> yeah, I'm never going to financially <laughs> recover from this. That was so... How fucking crazy was that? That that dude, that that person got their arm ripped off. Yeah, and that's his first like thought. A, well, that's because he was a terrible person. No, no, no. His first thought was to run into his office and put on like an EMS bomber jacket <laughs> and run around the park like he was a goddamn paramedic. I love the footage where he goes into the gift shop. He's like, folks, I just wanted to hear from me first. We had an incident. Person lost their arm with a tiger. <laughs> it's like, you don't say that. You don't say that. Oh, you, can get a, you, you can get a partial refund. <laughs> you get a partial <laughs> refund. We're going to give you some coupons. You can come back again tomorrow after we get the blood all hosed down. <laughs> you can get some of my Joe exotic underwear. Oh my God, dude. The adventures of white trash, you know, I mean, white trash is weird. You do a lot. of. I, I can't knock it. Well, and that's, I can't knock it. That's one of the other things though about racism that I don't, that I don't get when people like I meet white people who are super racist and I'm like, don't you know way more shitty white people? Why, why, oh, don't, you, why don't you dislike white people more? I bet you every shitty person you know in your life is probably white, but you're going to blame it on somebody of color. Okay, sure. Okay. Makes sense to me because. But that, I always, know. I remind myself several times a week, at least that median intelligence means middle of the road. So that means half the people in this country are below average intelligence, which is yeah. kind of frightening when you're measuring like what, two, 300 million people. It's like, holy shit, that means there's like 150 million dumb motherfuckers of like varying degrees of dumb motherfucker around or like around you at all times. It's kind of frightening. Oh, 100 percent. But I do like for all this shit that I'll talk about Tiger King, I will I'll still never forget. I'll never fucking forget. Um, on Friday the 13th, when like because we were still in school like that whole week where 
um, our principal had an announcement that week where she wanted us all to come in, like on a wet. She wanted us all to come into the library for a special announcement, and it was on a Wednesday. And we're like, okay, like this is it. We're gonna be told we're not coming back for a while because of this whole coronavirus. And it was her saying she's leaving the school. So okay. So then the next day, like a handful of schools started to close down in Milwaukee, and we're like, oh man, it's it's only a matter of time. So then Friday comes. And I get a, I literally get a message. I get an email from my kid's school that says, um, you know, Shady Lane for the for at least two weeks is going to be closed uh, to stay safe from uh, the coronavirus. I get that email, and all of a sudden we're outside at recess. I get that email, and all of a sudden the bell rings, and we all get told to come in, and we all are told to check our email, and it says, "Call your parents right now. Tell them to come pick up their kids. We're closing." I'm like, oh shit, like this is happening. And then it said, tell them we're expecting to come back like March 27th or whatever. But, but to plan like, like, uh, like, like overall, like best intentions to come back the 27th, but don't tell them that's set in stone that it, that it could be longer. So we got to leave like at two o'clock. And I remember that was a weekend I didn't have the kids and I was just kind of like, I was kind of shell shocked because it was like, what the fuck? Like, like, because I'm at a charter school. It's like, am I going to get since there's no kids? Like, am I going to get paid? You know, just like kind of shit like that. Like, what is happening? Like, no one knew what was going on. It's like, how am I going to continue to teach these kids? Because we didn't even know about Zoom at the time. I mean, we knew about it, but we didn't know we were going to utilize it and all that shit. And I just remember kind of coming home like in a panic and just like I was afraid to go anywhere because every everywhere around here started to close. Like there was no curbside. There was no shit like that. Everything we were just told that um, just grocery stores were going to be open. And that was it. Like everything else is shutting down. No public gatherings, nothing like that. So I'm fucking freaking out. I'm like, what the fuck is happening and I just remember going on Netflix and being like, what the f-? like? I'm just freaking out. And I see Tiger King. And I put it on. And man, those six hours, those first six hours of the pandemic, if Joe Exotic did not make me feel like nothing else existed in this universe, I will always owe my sanity for that first moment of realizing that this could actually be really serious and really bad. (laughs) Joe Exotic got me through that initial shock just for being a fucking... (laughs) crazy ass but i just that like i don't know about you but that was just a scary because i in my head i'm like fuck like i am literally a k4 teacher like if anyone's gonna get infected by anything it's me oh yeah like these kids are coughing sneezing pissing shitting puking every every day yeah i'm getting bodily fluids tossed on me like what do i have you know like i get a cough on the morning like i got it like I fucking got the Rona, I'm gonna die. Like, <laughs> like that was just that was just such a shock to just suddenly be told, get the kids out of here, go home. Like we don't know what's gonna happen. We don't want to come back. And when March 27th happened, oh, we're gonna look at the end of April. And and our school was so hell bent on coming back in August. Like there was that's why. 
we were so underprepared for what was going to happen because they were just so focused on we are coming back. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Like we're coming back to school during this. And then the health department said, eh, you know, you may think you can say that, but you're not. Yeah. And then that was, that was the roughest, that was the roughest, like, because we're given, we're given like a week and a half to get ready. So our guy is still hell bent on the fact that we are going to come back. Maybe it won't be the first day, but we want you, we want you to prepare like, we had to do double duty. We had to get completely ready for in-person, which I would like, I would in, in an ideal world, I would like a month to do that, you know, but then wait, you also have to get completely ready for all digital. And it's like, well, what, how the fuck are we going to do that? We don't even know how to work zoom. So we had to make like Google classrooms, the little bit emojis. We had to do like double the work. So like the first day comes and we're just shitting our pants. Oh, I bet. Because our networks were not ready. Like, I remember I had to upgrade my internet because my kid's school was like, we had the option. My kid's school actually had the option because they were outside of Milwaukee County where they can go back or they can stay home. So we opted because I'm like, I know for a fact I'm staying home until at least, at least October. So let's keep them back. Like I'll be home. And that's when, when the pandemic happened, which was another great little unfortunate side effect was we completely switched our custody where we would do like two, two, three, where then we just said, Hey, how about we take them seven days each, like seven days on seven days off. So I'm like, it would work perfect if we continue to have them at home. They do their zoom learning while I teach and it mostly worked out, but like our, my internet was not ready for that at all. Like we would cut in and out and they would yeah, cut in and, and out. Like so we multiple like, like zoom sessions or whatever going on at once. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was fucking insane. And then, and then all of a sudden we got to go ahead. So we did that up until January where the kids and I both went back in person because they were able, like you, you could opt in for the second semester. So when we found out that I had to go back in person, that we're like, okay, we're going to send them back in their school in person. And they, they transition so smoothly into it. Their grades went up and everything. But, um, and it was still held because our school also gave the option, like for Hazel and Emmett, they literally, their school district literally had like for every grade level, they counted who's all coming back who's not coming back. We're going to take all the kids that aren't coming back and we're going to make according classrooms for these kids. Like their teachers will just like, there'll be teachers that just do in person and there'll be teachers that just do online. So I'm like, Oh, that's a great idea. That's what we're going to do. No, no. We gave the option to our parents. Do they want to come back or do they want to stay or like, do they want to come back or they want to stay at home? And exactly half of my 25 kids, half came back and half stayed at home. What we had to do was they, they bought us, they bought every teacher in our, at our school, uh, beats by Dre wireless headphones. They gave us like, they gave us like, uh, projectors and smart and like, and like document cameras and shit. And it's like, Hey, you're going to do exactly the same thing, but you're going to like, 
like I would have I had to teach both groups of kids at the same time. Oh man, that had to be weird. Well, for K four, for K four, you have to teach. Like I would have loved it if I was like a third grade teacher where they would kind of like be able to like know what school is about. So like these K four kids had to come and we literally and a lot of our parents didn't know that that's what it was going to be like we're still going to do our online learning but they'll just be in the classroom like they're going to sit at a desk. Our protocols say they can't play together. Like we're going to give them like play doh at their desk to play with. We really can't pass anything out, but they're going to learn the same way as if they would have learned at home. So I had to like teach kids how to learn to be in a school, how to like ask to go to the bathroom, how to line up, how to do all that shit, how to get their supplies while my kids at home are kind of now sitting there twiddling their thumbs while I get everything in the class managed while still having to teach them at home and the kids in person at the same exact time, the same stuff. It was, it was fucking insane. I will never forget the school year. Oh yeah. Like this has to be the most wildest, worst yet best school year of my life. It's insane. (laughs) Yeah. My boys did homeschooling all year. Um, my, uh, my wife, uh, she works early mornings, so she kind of has the opportunity to, you know, have that time during the day, you know, with them to be able to do that. And she spent the entire summer, you know, like basically creating lesson plans for both of them and then ordering materials, you know, getting like, uh, workbooks and stuff that were like age appropriate for all the different things so that, you know, they had all the sheets in them. And then she um, got some memberships to some different websites that like specialize in homeschooling materials. And so, you know, we just went through reams of paper, you know, in ink and in our little, you know, desk jet printer. And so she was, you know, printing out stuff and the boys were like, it's Spanish lessons and and all sorts of stuff. So that's fucking great. Yeah. We, we weren't, we weren't impressed with what the, the school district that the boys had been going to, we weren't impressed with their plan. And, and we kind of felt that it was going to be going that way. And so we were like, yeah, there's, they're pretty much just going to be homeschooled next year. And then sure enough, when it came up, they were like, okay, well we have two options. You know, you can stay home or you can, you know, come in, but this is only for one semester. You know, after this first semester is done, it's, you know, there's no, no option for online. And so it's like, okay, so if we would have enrolled them, they would have been able to do online learning for half the year. And then the second half of the year, they're still there. And it's like, you know, I I know enough people that are around there to where it's like, I knew that, you know, I heard about how many cases of COVID were going around, like, through the student body and shit like that. And it's like, yep, we made the right choice. You know, like the, the superintendent up there now just seems like a total Trump tard and... You know, yeah. Iowa's governor right now isn't any better. She's like a total fucking Trump bootlicker. And so it's like, yeah, we're not going to have any good progressive ideas coming out of Iowa for a while. Uh, There's just too much of a stranglehold with all these fucking QAnon dipshits everywhere. There's a fucking jack off at the end of my street that's still uh, flying a Trump flag under his American flag. Uh, it's like, dude, get over it. What the fuck? I know. My, my ex-wife is telling my kids that our current president isn't the real president. It's like, dude, they're fucking eight and six. Shut the fuck up with that shit. She, but she, she's like, she believes that she's touting the big lie. 
oh yeah which oh, which is fucking no. great because when she was when she was with me she was all about you know like social justice and and equality for everybody and obama was the greatest and now it's like you know heaven forbid like uh, my kids come home and say hey like you know we hung out with uncle Corey and uncle matthew who are married to each other and i get a message like yeah they shouldn't be around that kind of stuff like oh fuck off be around whoever they want to be because they're not going to be around hate like yeah. gotta balance this shit out but like the thing that scared me the most and i mean statistically especially with my group of students like a lot of our students like in in, in milwaukee and the high african-american homes are raised by their grandparents um they're usually raised by a grandparent and who which group of people was which two groups of people were being strongly strongly killed off by covid it was people of color and people of an older age yeah so like COVID was a very, very real scary thing in our neighborhood. We've, we've lost, like we lost quite a few family members at our school from COVID. So like that was a big fear of coming back in person was, Oh shit. Like kids may not be affected by COVID, but they can still carry that shit. Yeah. So that was our big fear is like, we're, putting some family members in danger like it was it was it was terrifying yeah it's i don't know people trying to put you know dates on these things like that's what at the whole beginning of the pandemic when they were first talking about like oh it's gonna be two weeks and then it's like no it won't this isn't gonna take like even best case scenario had they gotten a hundred percent compliance and everybody, like, America was literally just a ghost town for two weeks. It's like, I, I, I still don't think it would have only been two weeks to flatten no. the curve. And so even when they were saying that, I was like, this is absolute bullshit. And it's like, you know, being, you know, overweight and having asthma, I was like, I was, you know, I was so happy when I was able to then go and, and work from home. Because it was one less thing I had to worry about. And then... With, you know, wearing a mask everywhere and being super diligent with, you know, hand sanitizer and stuff like that. It's, I haven't had a cold now since like January of 2020. In January of 2020, I was like maybe the most sick that I'd ever been in my life. Like top three. Same. And, and so like, you know, and then, well, here's the wild part is that we had a specialties person that worked in our office that would go to regularly go to China. And so in December he was in China and then came back. And then a whole bunch of us that were around him afterwards all got really super sick with like respiratory shit. And so around our office, we were all kind of banding about. It's like, fuck, maybe we already all had this, but you know, I never got tested for antibodies or anything like that. And I'm vaccinated now. So yeah, no, like man in, in February, right around Martin Luther King, they like I got tested, but man, I have never been that sick. Like I, I had no fucking energy where they actually gave me like our school built in COVID days. Um, like I literally like the doctor said, Hey man, like go get tested. 
Cause like I, I like I would, I would just literally sit up and try to teach for like 30 minutes and then I would just pass out for like the day. Like I had the worst fever. Like it was just, it was fucking awful. I swore to God I had it. I took the test. I didn't have it. So those, it was great because like I could like they, it was so weird of how you could call in. Like I would just kind of show up and do like teaching and then my, you know, whatever for like an hour and then I fall asleep and they really wouldn't count it against me. What the fuck was that? I think a firework <laughs> just hit my house. Oh no. <laughs> I heard it. It sounded like more of a thump than a bang. I'm going to go check real quick if you don't mind. Yeah, do it. Okay, we're back. Paul's house is not on fire. We're good. It's not, it's not on fire, man. We don't need Kurt Russell and Billy Baldwin coming in here to save the day. <laughs> that movie just turned 30, believe it or not. Backdraft is now 30 years old. Wow. I remember I remember seeing that guy when I was like fucking six opening night because like it was a fireman movie. My dad was a fireman. Yeah. We had we had to see it. Probably not the best choice. <laughs> yeah, I remember it being kind of a bummer. <laughs> oh, I think it's a great movie. I mean, it's got I a bummer. It's, a it's got a bummer moment, and it gets trian- triumphant after that. Oh well, they, like well, it ends on a bad note too, and there's like sex, and I mean, I don't mind the sex part now, but when I was six, like I imagine my dad being like, "What the fuck did I just do?" <laughs> and it's got. And it's got creepy, like Donald, like Donald, Donald Sutherland is a creep in that. Like he's a fucking arsonist that brags about burning a kid to death. Oh, it's been a long time since I saw that movie. Long like he's still like, got I like her- seen it since the nineties. Oh, it, dude, it, it's so good. But honestly, the best movie about firefighters. And I get like, technically it's not really focused on firefighters, but the best movie about firefighting that has firefighting in it is a movie called Frequency. Dude, the whole time you were talking, I was like, please say Frequency. Please say Frequency. I love that movie. Frequency is one of the best sci-fi movies of all time. Yes. Yes. I will die on that hill, man. That movie is so fucking cool. Dennis Quaid and Jim Caviezel. Yeah, the guy that played Jesus. Is it Caviezel? Caviezel? I think so. Something like that. I, I think so. Played Jesus. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, he also and uh, the Count of Monte Cristo. I loved that movie. Yeah, he did. That book is so good. Oh, the, have yeah, you the book's wa- fucking amazing. The, they did a good job with the movie. I, like they you did. Know, I mean, major deviations from the book, but still, like the the movie is excellent and it stands by itself and it kind of has a better, a little bit happier ending than the book. Yeah. Um, have you watched uh, the show Brooklyn Nine Nine? I've only watched like the first few episodes and it, and it wasn't cause I didn't like it or wasn't able to get into it. it. It simply came down to just a matter of time, but yeah, I, I started watching it and it was at your recommendation. And, and I thought the first few episodes that I watched were really funny. Oh, it's great. But the guy that plays the captain, you know, like the gay black guy, captain Holt. <laughs> yes. He's in, he's in frequency. That's right. He is. Cause he's he, the best friend. That's the cop. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and because he, he knows him like when he's a kid and when he's a, an adult because he was one of his dad's friends. Yeah, and that's like the best fucking scene. That's one of the best scenes of the movie is when Dennis Quaid is trying to convince him that he's been talking to somebody from the future and he's telling Andre Brower like this is what's going to happen in the game. Yeah, and he's the like, well, fuck game. you. He's like, fuck you. You're crazy. So then he takes 
Andre Brower takes Dennis Quaid's wife to that diner to tell him, like, hey, we're about to arrest your husband for, like, raping and killing these women. And he's just getting to the point where he's about to say that. And then all of a sudden, something from the game happens. And he turns around and he, like, literally just, like, walks up away from the conversation. He's listening to TV and he'll turn around with, like, a stoic look and be like, one second. And then when the big thing happens in the game, he turns around. His wife is freaking out like my husband's about to be arrested. And Andre Brower yeah. turns around and is like smiling and giving her the thumbs up. Yeah, and it, she's like, what the, the fuck is going it's on? It's the baseball hits the person's foot and the ball has shoe shine on it, right? Or shoe wax on it, right? Yeah, yeah. something he's super the, specific like that. And then he hears it on the radio and he's like, oh, fuck, he was telling me the truth. Yeah, like, yeah, because he's actually able to watch on the TV at like the diner. Yeah. And it just catches his attention, man. That that, that is one of the fucking best. brilliant, dude. Dude, that movie's fucking awesome. And it's, man. it's such a good thriller too, because then all of a sudden it's like, you know, it's like oh, they're chasing the killer in the past, and now the killer knows about it, and he's going after him in the future also. And it's like, what the? F-? And then his dad first died one way, and then and then his mom ended up dying. And uh, there's so many twists and turns. That movie's fucking incredible, and so, such good acting in it, and. Oh my god! By saving his dad, they like kill his mom. It's yes. fucking and dude, yeah, that it's movie that is fucking fu- rad. Butterfly effect. I love that when they do that with time travel movies, man. Where it's like, I'm sorry, you, you but did like something I- with the best intentions, and you fucked things up. You bury Allen to the fuck out of this, dude. Dude, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, like on on paper, that movie really has no business being as good as it is. No, when you explain it to somebody, it's like it's like okay, a, a son and his father whose dad actually died years and years ago, and this kid had to grow up without his dad, they're talking to each other over a ham radio, the same ham radio, and it's because the northern lights have dipped low enough to where they're being seen in New York City. And and somehow, they're talking to each other through time. Dude, and then and, they're and like... It's like, whoa. Like, it's, it's fucking cool, man. It's so... And, like, and, and just like this shit, like where they're taking his wallet and like hiding it in a place in the house where nobody would look. And he's like, the dad literally just puts it there. And then he goes to that like baseboard and he's like, I got it. You're like, what the fuck is happening? Yes. Like, this is the greatest thing ever, man. And that's like back to the future three with them, like finding the DeLorean in that mine shaft, you know? Yeah. Oh, and like you, like it's such a good thriller because like that cop finds out and like, like he's he's starting to like go after the dude's family. Like it's a race against time, man. I'm gonna watch that after we get done, dude. That is such a good fucking it, it movie. Is. It's, man. A, it's a great underrated movie. Um, it the, another great underrated movie that comes to mind. This is totally different genre and everything. But have you ever seen the movie Frailty with Matthew McConaughey? No. Oh, uh-uh. Matthew McConaughey, Bill Paxton. Yeah, dude, check that out sometime. It's really good, no and, and it's one of those stories where it it has beats of the it has bits of the timeline that take place when like Matthew McConaughey's character was a little kid, and Bill okay. ba- Bill Paxton was his dad, and his dad come ho- comes home one day and tells his kids, you know, his his dad their dad was just a mechanic, and he's like working on a car, and he was saying I was visited by an angel of God, and he told me that there's demons on this earth. And that it's up to me to, like, God is going to point out the demons to me, and I need to I need to take them out. And so what Matthew McConaughey's like, 
tell like at the beginning of the movie, Matthew Conaghy like goes into the FBI's office to say, I need to, conf- I need to make this confession, you know, about my brother and about my father. And that basically they grew up with it. Every once in a while, their dad would like bring somebody home and like, he'd be wearing gloves and he'd like take the glove off and touch them. And then like, he'd get all freaked out. And saying that, you know, oh my God, like, can't you see it? And like, he'd have his kids touch him also. And like, can't you see it? And the one kid that's like telling this story is like, you know, I never saw it. Like he basically like grows up thinking like my dad is just fucking murdering these people and somehow getting away with it. And then it kind of relates forward in time with Matthew McConaughey's character. It's called frailty. Just check it out sometime. It's, I don't want to tell you anything more because I don't want to give anything. Okay. Away. The performances in it are great. It suffice to say, by the time you finish this movie, you're, it's it's like a mind fuck, and it's like the best kind of mind fuck. So, I'm definitely, I'm definitely gonna watch it. But you just made me like, okay, I'm about to jump all over the place. Okay, so can you <laughs> bear, can, can you bear with me real quick? So, uh-huh. so, so you said Bill Paxton, right? Bill Paxton was in Apollo 13, mm-hmm. and in Apollo 13, he has a wife. I don't know the name of the actress, but she is in a movie called A League of Their Own. She plays Betty Spaghetti. Did you see the news that they are making A League of Their Own into a TV show on Amazon? No, I did not see that. And they casted Tom Hanks' role. It is fucking Nick Offerman from Parks and Recreation. (laughs) Tell me that's not brilliant fucking casting. That is pretty good casting for that. Because that's one of those things where it's like, who the fuck would play the Tom Hanks character? It's like, I... Well done. Like, bravo. Like, yeah. yeah, like I see it, man. Like I fucking, I fucking see it. But, but you know what? That brought me again. Sorry. Apple TV show. You got to watch this show with your boys. Cause when Hazel comes back tomorrow, I'm going to put this on during the week. I think you and your kids would fucking love this show. It's called home before dark. Dude. It is like, it is like a fun murder mystery that intrigue that can like intrigue the adults oh, and I saw also a trailer for that it did look good dude like so apple tv does the worst job of marketing their shows <laughs> i feel like a lot of streaming services do yeah but this one does a really bad job because they don't have as many shows as like a hulu or a netflix yeah so like this thing kept popping up on my like watch now thing app on apple tv I'm like, I'll give it a shot. And what it is, is it's, oh my God, dude. There's like this family, they live in New York and they don't like, he is, he's a reporter. The dad's a reporter. He's married to his wife who used to be like a defense attorney or like a prosecutor. She used to be attorney. I don't fucking know which side she was on. Um, and they have three daughters. They have one that's like just starting high school and they have this nine year old fourth grader who is obsessed with reporting to the fact that she has like a school newspaper that she really does like intense, like pretty serious stories like about what's happening. Well, something happens with like his dad and then he gets fired from his job So they have to move back to like this coastal town, like this real like dreary, sleepy, small town where everybody knows everybody's business. Right. And they. So so they move to this town and you just find out that something's not right, like shit's just not 
right at all. Like there's this lady that like you can kind of tell she has a history with the dad of the show. And all of a sudden by the end of the first episode, this lady is suddenly dead. And it's it's just weird that she would just die. Like the authorities are calling it an accident, but like this nine year old girl who got to talk to her earlier is like, there's no way this makes sense. So what she does is she goes online and she writes like this intense report that gets the whole town talking and you find out that like 30 years ago there was this child abduction where this kid has never been seen since they never found his body but this dad of this girl reporter was actually there when the kid got abducted it was his best friend and this girl starts like digging like this nine-year-old girl starts digging into it and it starts to kind of like reignite the like the journalist passion of the dad where they start working together and you start finding out that like there's a cover up in the town oh shit and and there's people like at first like this person's a piece of shit and by the end of the first season you're like i fucking love this dude like what the (laughs) fuck and there's people you thought that were awesome you're like i fucking hate this piece of shit dude like we have a rating system at uh apple to oranges is like if we love it it's a juicy if we <laughs> like it it's a crisp if we hate it it's a rancid <laughs> in terms of like in terms of like the pcl ratings this show is the highest of tupperwares nice because like it's so like like it's got the like it, it it's got the intrigue and like seriousness for adults but like this girl reporter she has like a photographic memory and they show it to you in comic book style. Oh, that's cool. Like, so like she'll look at something and then in a comic book form, it will go back to like a, like a prior scene and it will highlight the little specific detail that she remembers from her memory. Oh my dude, Joe, it is, it's a magical show. Like, like it's it, like it, it just shows like a family coming together like it's like it, it like it shows like the wondrous side of kids and also like when adults kind of become too serious like ways to bring them back into where you think anything could be possible that's cool what's it like, called again it's called home before dark home before dark yeah i know i've seen a trailer for it and that's an apple plus one yeah like like have you seen the movie 21 about like uh the people that like count like a uh, card counted like no. Kevin Spacey's. Okay. He's like Jim, uh, Jim Sturgis. I almost said Jim Caviezel. He's not in it. Jim Sturgis <laughs> is the dad. Like this show again, I feel like I could say this about every Apple show. It has no business being as good as it is. <laughs> nice. Like I said that about Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso started off as a commercial 10 years ago to hype the fact that NBC was going to air soccer games. So they asked the lead writer of Saturday Night Live, Jason Sudeikis to make up a comedy skit for that. (laughs) I didn't know that. That's funny. And he made up the, the character of a college football coach that got drafted or that got hired to coach an English British like soccer team. And then 10 years later, we get this show that's nothing like 
the commercial where we get the just this like on on paper it should suck it should be one of those stupid fish out of water shows of like oh this guy doesn't know the terms for like he thinks like he's co you know like he's using football terms for soccer but like you get like an intense character study of just a dude that sees the good in everything and is making everybody around him good like the show shouldn't be as good as it was and that's the motto for everything Apple right now. Like it's just shows that should not work. They're just tugging at our heartstrings. And it's, it's great. That's awesome. I mean, glad to, that's the best thing with this whole like streaming wars shit is the original programming, you know, because I mean, there, Dude. there's so much good stuff out there right now and and i'm really happy to hear that apple's doing a good job with the stuff that they have that you know i mean if you're saying they don't have a lot of it it sounds like they're really going with with quality you know over quantity and that's how it should be at any any point in time well like like i told jess i go i think we picked like the absolute worst yet best time to start this podcast because they're really starting to crank stuff out so we have to watch a lot more, but it's pretty fucking good. Like, um, like of course, like Ted Lasso is the big one that's coming out in a couple weeks. But I mean, you know, we've had physical, which is which is a it's a very interesting character study to see a woman battling. Like, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but like Joe, that scene where she literally goes to a hotel. And like gets those cheeseburgers and does this whole ritual of finding out that she's battling a very real terrible addiction in the eighties that was probably never talked about. Yeah. You know, um, like in a, in a couple weeks we're getting a show that again, I, I said this on the podcast, I go, it sounds silly. It looks silly, but I bet it's going to pack a punch and it's called, uh, it's called Schmigadoon and it stars, um, it stars uh, Keegan Michael Key and uh, Cecily Strong from uh, Saturday Night Live, and it starts off where they're backpacking in Europe, and they're a couple, and you can tell there's problems, and they stumble upon this little village in Germany, where all these people like it's like a real musical. These people in this town just break into song. Is this based on the musical Brigadoon? I don't know. It probably is. Is the town that they stumble upon, is it all like medieval? No, 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 no. Okay. It, it, it's See, like in Brigadoon, very... there's these people, there's these two dudes that they discover this village in the woods and all the people in the village are like very medieval. And they're like, what the fuck is up with this place? What is up with these people? It's like they're out of time. You know, and then they come to find out that there was something going on. And so there was some magician in the village that, you know, he went outside the village and sacrificed himself to cast this enchantment on the village where every night it like jumps forward, like a hundred years into the future or something like that. And so this guy, one of the guys like falls in love with this girl in the village and then he's not there at night. And so, you know, presumably a hundred years has passed for her. And for him, he goes back and just finds the village empty. And then some some turn of events, he's able to get back somehow. I, I don't remember. But I, I, I remember seeing that musical live when I was in high oh. school. And it was it was a really cool story. And, you know, it was it was in um, 
was a, a dinner theater place in Chanhassen, Minnesota. But it was really cool. It was called Brigadoon. And so that, when you said that title, I was like, ah, it sounds like Brigadoon. And I'm like, shit, starts sounding like the plot, too. <laughs> well, it sounds like a little bit like it, but like it's almost like they're brought into like kind of the era of like the sound of music. And and what it is, is this couple, they cannot leave until they found true love. So oh, like they have to like they have to stay there. So like. It looks silly, but I told June and Jess, I'm like, I'm telling you, this Apple TV has a way of like finding ways to like pull at your heartstrings. And they got like big names. They got like Fred Armisen and like Martin Short in it. Like it, it, it's it's just fucking wild. And then they have this uh, they have this show coming out in August called Mr. Corman, which is the main attraction for me is that not only does it star Joseph Gordon Levite. Every episode is written by Joseph Gordon-Levite, and every episode is directed by Joseph Gordon-Levite. Wow. And he he plays a musician that ends up getting divorced and not knowing what the fuck he wants to do. So he becomes a fifth-grade teacher in, like, a hard-hitting school in L.A. And he's trying to figure out what his passion is. Like, it just looks like a really, a really fucking cool story and then there's this real dark comedy coming out called a shrink next door and it's like get a load of this it stars paul rudd will ferrell and katherine hahn oh nice <laughs> and paul rudd is playing against tight paul rudd is the villain in this it he takes a place villain in a netflix movie i think it was was that the one called mute maybe oh i heard about that yeah I remember I, I think I watched it for PCL like years ago. Was it Alexander Skarsgård is in it? How oh, was he as the villain? Paul Rudd. He was fucking yeah. he was excellent. I bet like like he plays the shrink and it looks like he starts to try to take over Will Ferrell's life. Like he like it looks like it takes place in the late 80s, early 90s where like admitting you're seeing a therapist isn't good. And he kind of takes advantage of that. Oh, wow. Where like, give me where it's like, give me the rights to your business or I'm going to tell everybody you're seeing me. Wow. Like it looks fucking wild. And then they got these crazy fucking sci-fi shows that look like it could be a movie budget that looks fucking insane. And then you got, I mean, you've, I've, You've heard Brian and me on PCL talk about For All Mankind. That's like the top of my list to to start watching. The one of like the best show on on Apple TV. But you know, I know like, I'm gonna give you a little bit of a spoiler. I know Brian told me to come back on the Tuppies. Right now, where I'm sitting, TV show of the year is fucking trying. Hey, nice dude. So I, I implore anybody that you're. You're sleeping on Apple TV, and I don't blame you because they're not hyping anything up. Like they're, I feel like they're big flagship show because you know every streaming service has a flagship show, right? Like uh, Netflix has Stranger Things, yeah, and now Amazon has The Boys, and Hulu has Handmaid's Tale. Like I think at first they really put all their eggs in the morning show basket with Jennifer Aniston and uh, Reese Witherspoon and Steve Carell, where Steve Carell is playing against type. Mm-hmm. But I mean, now their flagship show is Ted Lasso, but you, I implore anybody to get into 
Apple TV because every week we go over like the upcoming releases and it's always adding more. Like they got a lot of shit on the horizon. And based on their track, like, of course, not everything's going to hit, but based on their track record, I think a lot of it's going to stick. And I think I think Apple TV is the service that a lot of people are sleeping on. And right now it's only four ninety nine. Yeah, it's so cheap. Yeah, I think that's going to go up because I know and I haven't got the email like for six months. I would get an email at the end of every month that said, hey, you just got a credit for one month of Apple TV because I subscribe. I haven't had to pay for it like in fucking six months. I haven't gotten the email now. And I know if you bought like an Apple device, they would throw in like a free year of Apple TV. They just suddenly dropped that year to three months. Oh, (laughs) so they're starting to realize. (laughs) Yeah. And what they got is good. I would, I would pay the price of Netflix for this for like, like, it kind of like I don't know this is the nerd in me. I don't know if you remember like the wrestling wars back in the nineties between like WWF and WCW. Not so much, How, but, but like 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 WC like like the WWF was all about making new stars, right? And WCW is like, why don't we hire all the old stars and turn them? You know, like let's bring in Hulk Hogan but let's not bring him in as the guy that like would tell you to say your prayers and eat your vitamins. Let's bring in the Hogan that said, I only said that because I got paid to say it and make him a bad guy. So I feel like Apple TV is bringing in all of the established stars, like all the big names, like the Jennifer Aniston's and the Will Ferrell's and the Paul Rudd's. And they're putting them in TV shows. Cause it, like, I feel like there's a, been a big change, right? I feel like, you did TV back in the day to get to the movies. Like, I feel like the movies was where everyone wanted to be. Now it almost seems like all these big names are being attracted to these TV shows on these streaming services. Like we're getting huge name movie stars coming to like a 10 episode series. Yeah. They're finally doing TV the way they should have done it all along. And really they weren't able to do it that way just because of the whole, you know, two, seven and nine, everything has to be watered down. There's going to be ads in the middle of everything. Cause that's the only way you can sell it. So, I mean, we needed so many things to happen first before we could get to the quality of television. You know, it feels like, like, you know, HBO was really the first one doing it. And then all these other yes. places picked up on it and they're like, yeah, we really do have the perfect platform where we can put this out. It's going to feel like a movie. Cause you're not going to get interrupted by all these fucking ads. It's, it's, you know, it's going to be, there's not going to be any issues with it being TVMA. You know, I mean, you we're going to put swearing in it. You know, if, if the, if the content feels like it should have swearing or adult content or stuff like that, there's no issue with that. We can put it in there. The violence, we can make the violence hyper violent if we want to, you know, like with Game of Thrones, it was, you know, dragons and swords and tits. And it was like the most hugely fucking popular thing. You know, there was in, in, until they wrote that fucker into the ground. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and you're right. Like, like, I mean, I know everyone wants to say, oh, Soprano started off, but I want to, want to challenge that and say, actually, there was this show on HBO that came out years before Sopranos called Oz. Oh yeah. That, I remember when Oz was huge. It changed the game of how, what you could do on TV. Like there's dudes getting raped in prison. They showed that like, 
that wasn't anything you've ever seen on TV before. And not only are we getting these big name actors coming to coming to these streaming services, we're getting the big name people behind the scenes. We're getting the big name directors coming to do like a series like who ever thought you see Steven Soderbergh doing like a fucking series on a, a, a streaming service. You know, it's just it's such a fun time to be a TV fan right now because oh, we're totally. like we're getting the like like competition brings out the best. Like if we just had HBO, there wouldn't be anything to challenge them to be like, hey, like we need to be better. But when you got like a Netflix and a Hulu, it's like we need to get the best. We need to write the best. We need to give you the best. And at the end of it, like, yeah, I think I think some of these when all is said and done, I think some of these streaming services might either go under or they might team up with each other. But at the end of the day, I think we're all winning. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because they're you know, they're all <coughs> this competition is all pushing them to, to to be better and do the next thing. And, you know, the the huge success of these these Disney plus shows I feel like it's something that's really going to spur things on also with these Marvel shows being as the MCU ones being as good as they are and the Mandalorian also. And I just really like this trend also on, you know, seasons that run from, you know, six to 12 episodes versus, you know, 24 episodes. Cause don't like, tell June that don't tell June that <laughs> she loves. Well, she'll like, because it's so weird and it, like, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, no, it's okay. Like, uh, like, the show, like the main show that brought us together was, uh, that mythic quest show. And they have the, we- they have the weirdest thing. They have a nine episode season. Yeah, that's different. And this season, some of it felt a little rushed and she's like, well, you know, like friends would do 25 episodes and they would really fill in those blanks. It's like, okay, I kind of get what you're saying, but for the most part in the mythic quest, even brought it back together at the end. I love the smaller episode. Like I love the smaller episode count because, it packs more of the story into it. Yes. Sometimes we need some of the characters to breathe, but we also don't get those really stupid filler episodes that mean yeah. nothing. No, they're, they're dumb to me, to me, like a good tight TV season should almost feel like a novel, you know, where if it's, you know, if it's properly written, there should be stuff going on in every chapter, you know, or every <clears throat> episode that's keeping you interested while also driving the overall plot forward. And I feel like that's the great thing about these new types of TV shows is that it's like there's something consequential that should be happening in every episode. And there also also should be enough stuff going on to where it's holding your interest the whole time. And you don't need this filler stuff or like like I loved the first season of The Flash, but ultimately it was just so many episodes that shit got watered down. And then it's like Mm -hmm. there's so many episodes that they need to fill with content that after a while it starts feeling like, oh, you're just kind of rehashing the same shit over and over again. And it just gets tedious and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. I heard some thing the other day. It's like, oh, Flash renewed for another ep- season. And I'm like, this shit's still going. Holy fuck. Are Barry and Iris still fucking are? Will they, won't they every season? Because that was getting old fast. Well, we had a guest on Apple to Oranges and he talked about how Grey's Anatomy just got renewed. Jesus. I'm like, that shit was on when I was in fucking high school. Uh, the first season of that was fucking brilliant. And you know why? Because it was only six fucking episodes. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. a really good, tight story. The first season of Grey's Anatomy is fucking great. And then the, throughout the course of that second season, it goes off the fucking rails. 
And then every season after that was progressively worse and worse until eventually it got to a point where I looked at Lindsay and I was like, can we stop watching this? I, was I like, feel we have all these building up on our DVR and I fucking, I don't even like this show anymore. No, I, I feel like, I feel like a real season, like a real series finale for Grey's Anatomy should be that they all die of AIDS. <laughs> Cause all like, I haven't seen much of it, but I know they all sleep with each other. Like well, they, they, they tackle something like that. I think in the second season, maybe I think it's in the second season where there's like chlamydia going around the hospital. I was going to say, they should all be like, Oh shit, we got crabs. <laughs> like maybe we should stop fucking each other and just worry about surgery. <laughs> maybe it was even a storyline from the first one. I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. I'm never going back and rewatching it. <laughs> no, no. And you, and you know what? Like I told you home before dark and all that shit. You know what the first show I actually I know you watch physical. The first show I want you to watch on Apple TV is Mythic Quest. Oh yeah, yeah. I I heard you guys talking about that because I, I listened to a little bit of Apples to to Oranges and heard you guys talking about maybe you just like did you do an episode where you just kind of broadly covered the first season of it? Yeah, that was uh, okay. I listened to that episode and I was like, this show does sound really interesting, dude. It's it's like a workplace comedy, but like it's kind of the Apple trademark. They really pull at your heartstrings. You really see like, like they don't try to hide the flaws of the characters. Like they actually expose it to you. And that's what draws you in. And I'm sorry, I'm going to get flack for this. And he is my pick for Wolverine. Rob McElhenney is fucking putting in one hell of a job on this show. Oh, is that the dude from Always Sunny? Yeah. In okay. fact, him and him and Charlie Day wrote Myth the Quest. Charlie Day has not come into it yet. I feel like he will. But Rob McElhenney is putting on a fucking clinic, man. Nice. Like, he is so good. The first season, you're kind of like, he's an asshole. And then there's a couple episodes you're like, oh, my God, dude, I fucking get it. Like, I get why you're acting like this. You know, like The Office, they never showed you why Michael Scott was a fucking doofus. Or like why he acted the way he did, you know, but in this, like you see them, you're like, God, man, how can that, like, how can someone be like that? And then you get an episode of why they're like that. You're like, wow, I see you like this. Like, like you're showing me what's making them like flawed. I love that. Yes. (laughs) Like the, the new project that I'm working on right now, that's like a huge component of it. It's like, it's like, okay, you're going to get some stuff that's going on in the present day of the story. And then you're going to get flashbacks that show why these characters are the way they are, why they make the choices they make, what sort of events happened in their earlier lives that shaped them into the people that they are today. So like hearing you say that about, like, I love that. Like I'm super in that vibe right now. So, well, I think it's and I, like, I definitely want to ask you a question, but like, I think it's so cool I think in order to really appreciate like the victories of characters, you have to see them at their like most humiliating defeats. Like you have to appreciate the journey. But like my question is like, because I was lucky enough to hear a little bit of what you're working on now is like how much of your like time and even like mind does the writing process take up in you? Like, like, is this something that you're ever able to turn off 
or is it just always there? Oh no. Anytime I have free time, that's what I'm trying to do with my brain. It's it's like, okay, I've, I've got some, some time here. Like, um, like if, like if I have time to go out and like float around in the swimming pool or something like that, like say I finished mowing the yard and I'm I'm sweating my ass off and I'm going to jump in the pool and spare 10 minutes to just float around. Right. It's like, Mm -hmm. I will be like, okay, what's going on? What? Okay. Let's try and flush out what happened, you know, with this character, you know, when when he was this age, like, cause like I've been, I've been working on lots of like flashback things right now. So I've been delving into childhood trauma. It's been been a lot of fun. (laughs) Well, you know, like, I think that's awesome. And I think that's why you're really going to love like something that's become a trademark of a lot of these shows on a lot of streaming services and specifically Apple is usually the penultimate episode on a lot of these shows takes you back in time to see why we are where we are. That's awesome. Did you and ever I watch think Lost? Because Lost no. did that in like every episode. Like every episode of Lost was character centric and it would show you things that were going on on the island and then there would be flashbacks from that person's life, you know, maybe years before or maybe hours before, you know, they landed on the island and, and it would be something consequential that would show, you know, more or less why they are behaving the way that they are. And and that was something that always stuck with me, but I don't don't know, even more, I, a lot of times, you know, when, when you see adults behaving a certain way, you know, you, you try and remind your. I try and remind myself that we're all people and that person's behaving that way for some, there's a reason, you know, barring mental illness or something like that. There's a reason that that person is acting the way that they act. You know, it's people aren't, people aren't just intrinsically good or intrinsically evil. There's some there. Most people do things because they're motivated by something. What is that motivation? What is that causation? You know, the, the things that make, people people and it's the the reason why you know i mean why you know each person's personality is as different as their fingerprints you know and and it's because each person's experiences in life even if you're to take identical twins you know after a certain amount of years they're yeah they look alike but they've had very different experiences because every human's experience is different you could you could you know, it goes perfectly well with like ratings on movies. You show the same movie to 10 different people. You may get 10 different ratings, 10 different reactions out of it, you know? And, and I feel like life is the same way. And it's what it comes down to is it's cause and effect. It's like, what, what events happened? How did that person react to it? And that's going to tell you what type of person they are today, whether it's a fictional character or a real person. And for me, the closer that, you can make a fictional character feel like a real character. The more that I can get an empathetic response to that person, the stronger that that storytelling is going to be to me in the end. And to, oh, to yeah. accomplish that, your characters have to be real. If your characters don't feel real, nobody's going to have a real connection to them. And then they, they're not going to care what happens. And then if you don't care, how can you have good storytelling? You know, exactly. That's why I think with what you're saying, I think you would really appreciate the morning show too, because they kind of set up this whole, like the morning show is very, I mean, it's like pretty much 
it's very much akin to like the whole Matt Lauer exit from the Today Show. You know, like how a lot of stuff came out of how he was abusing his power to get what he wanted with like, especially female staff members. Yeah. So like we start off on the morning show with Steve Carell being fired from the fictional morning show because accusations have come out and most of the season is all about him saying this never happened. And some people saying, you know, well, this is actually what happened. And you really don't know who to believe in the entire ninth episode of a 10 episode season takes you back like four years in the past that focuses on a specific event that involves Steve Carell and some of these people that are making accusations for you to actually see what happened for you to make your own judgments on the characters. And then it jumps completely back into regular time for the finale, which I think is such a fun way to tell a story. Like you kind of you you kind of build up this idea in your head of what you think happened, and they let you do that. Like they let you have your creative licenses or imagination for eight episodes, and the ninth episode, like now this is actually what happened. That's Here cool. you go, and you're like, oh shit, like okay, now everything that this character has done makes sense. Everything Steve Carell has done makes sense. Like all these little dots get connected as to why these characters have done either these really great things or these really terrible things to each other leading up to this. And now you know exactly why. And then the 10th episode is like, and now here is the aftermath of everything. Oh, cool. That, that, it, that's a cool bit of storytelling. I, I like that the way that, that you said, like mechanically, you know, they put that together. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know what they do and then they really help it along because Martin Short is in this and he plays very much like a character of Harvey Weinstein. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and, and it's just cool. It's crazy because they take you back four years and some of the stuff people were doing, which seemed harmless really comes off in today's lens as like, oof, that really is not acceptable. Yeah. But everybody at the time was cheering it on because it was just, it was just, you know, society said this is okay to do this. It's okay to view people like this. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And this show came out right off the heels of the Me Too movement. And they really, they really not only flipped the Me Too movement on its head, but it also gives it a lot of, like, credibility. It's just such a, it's such a good written show with fantastic acting, especially from, uh, uh, who played Flash's dad in the Snyder Cut? Um, Billy Crudup. There you go. He, I think, I think he won best supporting actor in a drama series for this. He is fucking unbelievable in this. And so is, uh, the dude from the league, uh, Mark Duplass. If you ever watched that. I'm familiar with who he is, but I've never watched the league, but but, okay. He's, I, I know who the Duplass brothers are. He's great. Like acting, writing all around, you're going to dig this show, especially for like the way they really like put the screws to kind of the way a story is told because that ninth episode changes fucking everything you thought about any of the lead characters in it. Nice. That's really cool, man. Yeah. That, I don't know. There's so much good stuff that, that that's on the Apple plus. I, 
like I said, it always comes down to me just an issue of time. And no, I get that. And, and recently, and I know, I've been on like a huge kick, just like watching martial arts movies. So, like, like if I'm not working or writing, I'm probably watching a martial arts flick. Like recently, I've been just going on a tear. Man, I like my dad and I would always watch like Bruce Lee movies. I've been showing those to the boys for the first time. And I'll like I'll never forget one of my favorite movie experiences, just because like it was such a big deal. Was we saw this opening night. It was such a fun time. We saw Rumble in the Bronx because it was marketed as like the nice. first time Jackie Chan is like making an American movie for American audiences, and that movie was fucking great. Yeah, I love his stunt work. Oh my god, dude! Like, like, have you seen that? Pic- <laughs> have you seen that meme? It said like actors alongside their stuntmen. and it shows like The Rock staying next to somebody that looks just like him, and like Batista. <laughs> Staying next to someone like looks just like him, and another actor, and he's got Jackie Chan just sitting by himself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's broken like every bone in his body or some shit. Oh my god, man! What was man. what man like? Uh, Operation Condor. He fell off like a silo, dude. Because because those movies are fucking awesome. All of his movies are really cool because the end credits are all the outtakes. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Like, uh, like, fuck, like, I remember, like, in, in Rumble in the Bronx, he jumped, like, off of a bridge onto, like, a hovercraft, and he, like, shattered his foot. <sighs> and they put it, like, in a cast, and then they made, like, a slip-on cover that looked like his shoe and jeans. <laughs> so with a like broken a distance, foot. It's like, you're, you know, it looks it's his camera ready, but he's still going to yeah, do shit like, with wh- a broken foot. With a broken foot, the guy is still out there, like fucking doing backflips off of a Lamborghini, kicking people in the face. <laughs> man, I'm gonna watch Frequency bad. and then Rumble in the Bronx after this. There after we go. get done. <laughs> no, I was like just thinking the other day that I need to put some some uh, Jackie Chan movies on my list of stuff to watch because I've kind of been bouncing back and forth between older ones and more modern ones. And so when I watch the older ones, like Bruce Lee, I've been watching those with the kids. And like, cause when it gets to a certain level of bloody, like they, they self-censor. They're like, we're not interested in watching this. Yeah. Because like I've, I've showed them a couple different fight scenes from the raid and they're just like, whoa. And I'm like, isn't it amazing? They're like, it's very gross. <laughs> I can't wait to watch those. Somebody oh, dude, hooked me up with those. Yeah. Let, let me know. And, and they're the type of movies too, where the sequel like takes place like immediately after the first one. So, I mean, you can kind of almost treat them like one big giant movie. Okay, cool. I, I, I love when like a series of movies can do that, but God damn, man, if like, I think this is why I love Mortal Kombat so much. Cause Mortal Kombat, the original 95 movie is pretty much a shot by shot remake of enter the dragon. <laughs> just with like, that's the fantastical way I enter characters. The dragon to the boys. I was like, this is basically Mortal Kombat. I was like, they're going to the villain's island. There's going to be a martial arts tournament. Not everybody's going to make it out alive. There's a Johnny Cage. He takes on the big dude. Like, it's fucking great, man. And Enter the Dragon has the greatest, one of the most badass lines of all time when that one dude is, like, trying to flex in front of Bruce Lee. And he's, like, breaking boards. And he's looking cool. And Bruce Lee doesn't even flinch. He's like, boards. They don't hit back. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh fuck, it's on. <laughs> like it's fucking on, man. 
Like he just fucking owned you. He pwned you. <laughs> yeah, dude, martial arts movies. I, I just, I've been so into them lately. It's just been so much fun. Um, so yeah, Raid, uh, Raid 2, those ones are both fantastic. Um, there's a bunch of good ones on Netflix too. There's one called The Night Comes For Us. And another one called Triple Threat. And I really enjoyed both of those. Oh, and there's another one called Headshot that's also on Netflix. And that one was... Headshot is kind of like the Bourne identity. But um, like it's a, kind of that same thing where it's like there's this guy who's highly skilled. He's shot in the head, left for dead. People find him, nurse him back to health. He doesn't really remember anything about his life. But when he's put in dangerous situations, he can fucking kick ass. Only oh, it just comes back to him. Yeah, and then but then the bad guys kind of learn that, you know, oh, so-and-so survived, and then so then they start going after him, and then he kind of, throughout the course of the movie, starts remembering more and more, and you just, I don't know, some of the, like, in these modern martial arts movies, it's just the level of brutality in them is just unfucking believable You know, not like, you know, like Saw or Hostile, you know, gross stuff like that, but I mean, there's some pretty fucking gnarly shit in these movies. Oh, I definitely need to check it out. I saw a headshot pop up, but I'm like, oh, this must be a documentary about photography. Skip. <laughs> no, looking for the, the headshot movie with Eco UA, so then you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a big name in martial arts, isn't he? Yeah, he's the he's like the main character in both the Raid movies. Um, he's the bad guy in the movie Stuber, which they didn't really highlight his martial arts skills very well in that movie. <laughs> Is that the Batista movie? Yeah, yeah, I love that movie. It's so good. Um, Man, like he he he's made a good transition from wrestling to oh, he sure has to uh, acting. You know, I'm not gonna lie, and I do agree with uh, like Brian and Jake from PCL, but I was a little let down by John Cena in Fast Seven, especially seeing like sisters. And uh, cock blockers, like how funny he can be and like how charismatic. He was very like stone in this. Yeah, he was. He was just running around everywhere mad. He just had the the err face on the whole time. And it's like, okay, well, the way that, you know, maybe in future movies, you know, they'll they'll do a bit of a character shift. Because, you know, I mean, let's let's think about how like um, uh, Jason Statham's character was. You know, in in seven versus eight. Well, and that's so funny because that's brought up such a huge debate. They're like, how come we're celebrating this character who killed a beloved character? Like he's suddenly now like the good guy. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like that's been. Yeah. A, yeah. yeah oh, but, uh, man. I, don't know. I guess I got two more movies to resolve all that shit. Right. <laughs> what the fuck are like our like. So, I mean, it's not even a huge spoiler because it's been definitely, like, highlighted, but how much further are they going to go? Like, how much crazy batshit stuff are we going to do? Like, we literally had a car in space in this one. <laughs> Pontiac Figaro in space. <laughs> I was like, there, I'm the- like, fuck, they really did it. I, I remember Rebecca years ago saying on some podcast about how much she loves the fast movies, like, you know, unabashedly, I love these movies. And she's like, they keep getting more ridiculous and more fantastic. And she's like, and I just know someday they're going to go to space. <laughs> and so like, I was, thinking, that I was thinking about her during that scene where I was like, wow, she called it by the ninth movie. They're in space. 
<laughs> I mean, like, what's going to happen next movie? They go back in time because that'd be fucking great, dude, to see like a souped up Impala. Oh, my God. Like in the Renaissance in the Renaissance era. Yeah, I mean, they could probably write it in. Oh, we're going after this piece of tech. <laughs> <laughs> we're fa- Have you seen those memes of like, uh, of like, uh, like Anakin's and his, uh, like X fighter or his X wing. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Dom's there. And all of a sudden, and he's like, he's like, how are you here? He's like, he's like, logic doesn't matter when you're family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's fucking, it's great entertainment, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, overall I thought F9 was, a, was a pretty enjoyable movie. You know, I, I would, yeah, I'd give a high taste it to give it the PCL rating. So four out of five. I would still say like I like I saw the first one in theaters. And then I did not see two and three. And th- like the first one was a game changer. Like that's when I got my driver's license pretty much. Nice. Like I, th- I literally think I got a speeding ticket leaving that movie. In fact, I know I did. <laughs> I was working um, in a gas station at the time. And so I got to see like the the fallout from fast and furious where all of a sudden people are like driving these Honda civics into the gas station and they're all pep boyed out with like the coolest shit that they could buy at AutoZone or whatever. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is just sad. And they got like the loud mufflers on them. And it's like, dude, you do not have a fast and furious car. You, you've got a loud Honda civic. Congratulations. No, no, I, I got, I got pulled over in my mom's Hyundai Elantra. <laughs> We're going like 15 over. It was, it was pretty embarrassing, but I skipped two and three. I saw part four. I'm like, this is really like, I, d- I didn't like it. And then I just remember it being like a shot of adrenaline. Like, wait a minute. You got the rock to go against Vin Diesel. Yeah. In my opinion, like five, six and seven are all really, really good. I think those five are, is my favorite. I yeah. think those are the best ones. Five, six and seven. Um, you know, and I thought eight was okay. Like eight and nine were both, you know, kind of just high taste. It's for me. Yeah. And like, I did love Hobbs and Shaw cause they really, they, yet. man, cause they really take like, like they're literally fighting like an Android. Excellent. <laughs> like, like I that's why I love the so Idris Elba saying I'm black Superman. And I'm like, excellent. <laughs> I can't wait to see. Yeah. He's, and he's like most machine. Like it's really cool because when he's fighting the rock, he like he like is able to like calculate like the strength and power that's coming from his hits so he knows how to counteract it. Oh wow. And then when he's fighting Jason Statham, he like kind of studies like the technique. And he's able like to counteract fighting cap. Yeah, it's fucking it's so cool and that Vanessa Kirby is fucking great in it. Nice. That's awesome, like, dude. Yeah, it's like it's like the Rock and Statham have the best chemistry together. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, I had bought all those fast movies in a digital bundle, and I thought Hobbs and Shaw was included. And then when I finished eight and went to go to Hobbs and Shaw, I was like, "What? It's not included?" And then it was like an extra like twenty bucks or something for the digital. And I'm like, "I'm not doing that right now," so I haven't gotten around to it yet. If you have HBO, I want to. Why do I feel like it's still on HBO? Hey, if it is, I know what I'm doing sometime this weekend. Let me see. I'm yeah, going to hit that just... just watch right now. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I love that app, dude. I use it all the time. Or you can rent it for like two bucks. 
No, you can rent it for three ninety nine. I'm sorry, it's not on HBO anymore. Yeah, I'll, that's I'll, a, I'll buy it on digital at some point because I got all the other movies on digital. I might as well keep that going. Yeah, oh, that's so good, man. It's such a good fucking movie. And there's two really – I will like because I didn't know anything about it. I'm not going to say anything, but there are two huge cameos in that movie. Nice. Oh, fuck. Where they come in, I'm like, wait a minute. Is that – no. I'm like, how the fuck did this stay a secret? Oh, that's cool. Because I still haven't heard about it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not going to say it, but yeah, you're going to know exactly who they are when they show up. Yeah, sure. That's cool. But I was like, what the fuck is happening here? It's funny, though. It's funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Dude, I have a fucking rad time talking with you tonight, Paul. Oh, my God. This is I know this is my third appearance like on the on the proper star cast. I know we've done <laughs> some offshoots, but but I. I'm glad I got to do a trilogy with you on here. I remember the last time I was asking people to write my Bumble profile for me. Oh, yeah. I was no help with you on that. I felt so bad. Nobody was no help. I got nothing. <laughs> I was like, if you're asking for like, like, Joe, how can I talk to women better? I'm like, you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> well, it's funny. Like, as soon as I gave up, something happens then. You know, like. It's fucking wild. The old adage, as soon as you stop looking, you find it. Yeah, as soon as you stop looking, it finds you, I guess. <laughs> so maybe that will be our fourth uh maybe our fourth time we talk, I can talk to you about how I fucked that one up too. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> I wish you nothing but the best. So I wanna I wanna hear I wanna hear stories <laughs> of, I wanna hear success stories. <laughs> Come on, the failure stories are funny though. No, you are true. That is that is <laughs> I mean you you're absolutely right. Well, and for me, failure is like the great teacher because it's like I beat myself up so much over the failures that in the process I feel like, you know, I learned something. And then also yeah, you can do the philosophical that. thing where is it, you know, is it really a loss if you were able to learn something? And it's like, okay, loser. I don't know when you get divorced and have to split half your assets. I consider that a loss. I don't know how much I can see the gain in that. That's true. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe so, yeah. episode four, we can talk about how much of a fuck up or success it was. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> We're going to leave it on a cliffhanger. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> be sure and check out Apple Plus and be sure and check out Apple's Apple to Oranges. Yes, sir. Apple to Oranges for, you know, all your reviews on these Apple Plus shows. And Yeah, and do like don't listen for me cuz I just blab, but like <laughs> June and Jess put the fucking work in. Like like, I feel like we found the perfect dynamic. I get to be the smart ass that like tries to make jokes and just comes with like a notebook full of stuff for each week about stuff. She noticed. And June is kind of the one that hates a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like we really like really balance each other out. Like I get to say dumb shit. Just ignores it. And June, talks about how much she didn't like something 
perfect i couldn't and i like i love both of them to death i could not have asked for better people and it was just such like a hat like as bob ross would say a happy accident to just i never ever would have thought i'd be doing a podcast with june and jess in my life and here we are that's so awesome yeah and having great pot or having great co-hosts on a podcast like really makes all the difference you know, because then it's like you really look forward to recording. You know, you're, you're talking with your friends, and, and this is something you guys do regularly. And that's awesome, man. I'm really happy for you. And I wish oh you my guys God, all it's... the success. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really happy with with the amount of people that I've been tuning in. But it's funny, like my notes consist of witty jokes I can try to bring up into the show. And Jess is just so <laughs> technical about like what was shown on the show and what it could mean. And I'm just like, Hey, like how about this funny joke I wrote last week? (laughs) That's fucking awesome. (laughs) Ah, dude. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you all for listening until next time. This has been Starcast. Strong outro. I didn't stumble over any of it, and I hadn't said it in a long time. It was beautiful, man. I'm in. I got goosebumps. <laughs> hey, real quick for fun, let's yeah. record the intro for the show. Sounds good. Hello and welcome to Startcast. I'm Joe, and uh, hi. I fucked that up. Hello and welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I usually say my full name here. Hello and welcome to Start. <laughs>